Bruising Banner Podcast. Banner Podcast. Bruising Banner Podcast. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Bruising Banner Podcast. I am your host, Rob G. And with me, as always, is the legendary Brew Crew. What up, fellas? I got water, I got, you know, juice or whatever. He's like, y'all need twin legs? <laughs> as a matter of fact, I do. to everybody is, does Delaware have an actual culture? This is the podcast that we talk about beer, but we also talk about a lot of things that's happening in the world. Politics, movies, anything really that comes to our mind while we're here. Sampling these brews. Grab a drink and pull up a chair. <laughs> I don't know that man. Maybe. Yeah, I don't hear echo. We just uh it just kind of was choppy. See how free flowing this is to them? Yes. I'm with it. I'm with it. The beautiful uh, world of technology. And it obviously, like they somebody said earlier, technology is retrograde today for some reason. There's <laughs> 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 that. Uh, I, I, it's crazy because I do still hear echo. And I and it was you sounded totally distorted at the beginning. Now you sound fine. Huh. It yeah. must be just the uh the warm up. <laughs> or maybe you maybe your voice didn't go high. You didn't get a high enough octave in the beginning. Mm-hmm. We'll try it again. Try your music again and see if your music works. No, it ain't working. It ain't working. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that shit ain't working, dog. <laughs> I mean, it, it may work, but I, I was like, well, I've already had an outro to, go, to to figure out too. Then <laughs> I've already done past that. Well, it, it actually probably will work now, but it don't matter at this point. Well, well let's see. Wait, wait two minutes. Oh, there it is. Yes, I love it. We have an intro right in the middle of it. <laughs> Way to bring that intro after the first two minutes. That's good, man. Yes, that's how we do it. Free flowing, baby. Free flowing. You never know where this water going to go. <laughs> yeah, actually, you see, we down the man. We done the man because uh, he said his uh, thing backed up, so that's why he ain't even on here. <laughs> he's having technical difficulties. That's how he's there. I was wondering. I was like, aren't yeah, there supposed to yeah. be four of them? Where's the four? Yeah, he was yeah, just. Yeah. He was just here. <laughs> right before you got on, he was here. Oh. Yeah. He, oh. he he just he just texted me and said there was something going on, something in the water. Um, <laughs> oh, all right. Drunk in the water. Retrograde. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> this is uh, Bruising Banter Podcast, episode one twenty three. Uh, did I actually? How y'all doing today? I forgot. I'm sure. No. Doing now. now the intro was the intro was totally messed up, but it's all right, man. Don't worry about it. Yeah. We don't have to have the all same right. intro every time. No, kind of do. That's that's the whole point. What up? What up? What up? What's What's up? We just have to be podcast. here. We just have to What's be here and do a podcast. Is the rocket. That's it. And the brew. What happened to fuel? With me as always, Legendary Crew. How y'all doing, fellas? Yes. Oh, what is going on? I'm, I'm doing great on this. How are you guys doing? Hey, Rob, Lou, and guests that we'll introduce. Who we're doing good. Yeah. Oh, I, I like the I like the new intro. I like <laughs> the new a, intro. I jacked it up. I was supposed to put her in the in the green room. Forgot that too. We can see you. Yeah, yeah. She's like, she's like, I just want to like, drink. I just want to drink. And this is a podcast for me to drink. Yeah, this is, this is like the it. fourth time she asked to open her beer. Go ahead and open it, girl. Go ahead, open your beer. No, 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 no. Right Let's now. stay a little bit on script. She <laughs> don't want to. This is episode, <laughs> this is episode one twenty three of Bruising Banner Podcast, and uh, part of our social distancing series. And we do have a great guest with us today, Tinu Diver. 
Yes. Good job. Welcome, welcome. Because <laughs> I had to say in my head, Riley with River. I had to say hey. it. Right. Because right. right. <laughs> I almost said other. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Um, there he, uh, he He's timing oh, it. Yoda made it. He, he, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, well, while he's doing that, before we uh, get into everything, we always like to know what everybody's drinking. So, what are we drinking today? And we always start with a guest. So, Tina, Aww. what are you drinking today? How oh, sweet. I am today, I am drinking. By none other than the Brianna Brake, um, founder, brewmaster, CEO of Spaceway Brewing in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Um, Paper Chaser, which is a mm. New England style IPA. Mm. Um, it's delicious. Haven't actually had it in a while. And I'm mm. um, actually also want to shout out, I'm enjoying it in my glass from, oops, this way, Bowen Era, which is the nation's first indigenous women owned brewery. Nice. That's um, one in New Mexico, New right? Mexico, yep. In Albuquerque. Yeah. Could you put that a little bit closer to the? To yes, the yes. Oh, that's dope. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I like I love it. I love yeah, I want to want to shout them out, and um, and then also, of course, Bree, um, one of one of the only. Well, right now, I guess it's just her and Celeste in terms of black uh, brewers in North Carolina. So right. awesome, awesome. Yep. We love them. We love them. Love hearing that. Right. Um, all right, Lou, what are you drinking on? Uh, today, I haven't even cracked it yet, uh, but I have this, cream, uh, what is this? Cream Team Cookies and Cream Flavor Milk Stout. Uh, that's what it looks like. Oh. Uh, it's from Flying Dog. Yeah, I uh, can tell. Mm -hmm. You're Baltimore? Uh, let me see. Where, Hold on. Where is that at? I think there'd be more. See, you put me dog, on the spot. Dog. Oh, y'all, Frederick Merlin. There you oh, go. Oh, Frederick. Okay. Yep, Frederick, yep. Frederick Merlin. I don't like you. Put me on the spot. God, wait. Are girl. you? Are you from Maryland? The way you just said Merlin. No, <laughs> that's, how, that's how we say it in Delaware, Merlin. Oh, okay, close enough. Yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> right down. We right up the street from there. Yeah, we're, not, we're not. We're not from there though. We. Not, I, hit, I hit ninety-five South Maryland yesterday. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I work two minutes away, but we don't live there. You're right. You are. He does. He's right over there. He's I believe it. I this believe is, it. Uh, this is what it looks like, guys. It is yeah. a 9.5 alcohol Ooh. by volume. Baby. It smells. Uh, it does have like a little bit of that Oreo cookie, hmm. chocolate, chocolate cookie smell. I wonder if they mm -hmm. brewed it. Like, I wonder if they put, they brewed the cookies in there. Just probably. They probably put a mash in there. It says, uh, mm -hmm. tip to Tiptoe to the fridge, avoid creaky floorboards, slowly opening the fridge. Wait a minute. You're a goddamn adult and can have cookies anytime you want. That's it's right. By the best dessert combo ever created, cookies and cream flavor stout was born from the love of that last swig of milk after you've dipped two, three, four, maybe five cookies into it. Uh, so drink up. Calories don't count after midnight. Oh, well, there you go. Ooh, your, your nutritionist might not agree. But... <laughs> <laughs> Which you go that physical? Like, what do you mean? Right. It seemed like you were doing it at night. Like, no, nah, I was just drinking the beer. I was just drinking it. I wasn't it said, eating. They cookies. said it didn't count. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's, it smell. It smells really, really good. It tastes uh, just the way it smells. Real, uh, real chocolatey. You could taste the lactose in it. Uh, pass me another. Good job, flying dog. All right. Uh, Deb, what are you drinking on? Um, 
Well, speaking of Maryland and our visit yesterday, um, we went to a can release in Baltimore, Maryland yesterday um, at the Peabody Heights Brewery. Um, and we picked up the uh, Fruit of Saison that is named P, stands for Pay It No Mind. This is also a collaboration with uh, a good brew crew uh, guest, previous guest, um, Black Beer Geek collaboration mm -hmm. that uh, she did in collaboration with Peabody Brewing Heights uh, Brewery. Right. They This can is to support and is in pay homage to Marsha P. Johnson, which mm -hmm. is also known as uh, Malcolm Michael Jr., who is an amazing or American gay liberation activist and self-identified drag queen. So yesterday uh, was a big celebration and was an exciting time because we got to see not just the can release, but we got to, got to see um, Black Bear Geek and her element with her friends and our, our wives. We got to, you know, kind of uh, enjoy them, enjoy that, enjoy, enjoy it in their space because it was the first time I had been to a drag queen show um, and they did a runway and the whole nine. But back to the yes. beer. Back to the beer, it uh, fruited uh, Saison. It is with 7%. The uh, color looks as this, looks like this. Yeah. Um, very, very fruited. I don't can't really tell you if I pick up on exact uh, flavors per se, but it is very fruity. It's very, you know, mild, uh, very, very much a good fruited Saison. And Did you mention the ABV, Dev? Yeah, 7%. 7%, yeah, yeah. okay. 7%. Uh, Baltimore, Maryland, pass him another, and good, 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 good. all right. Yeah, hey, Rob saying. G. Yeah, uh, this is episode 123. Uh huh. What would you happen to be drinking on today, sir? Oh, I'm glad you asked me. <laughs> yeah, only, oh, I don't know if you're telling the truth, or you tell the truth, lie out of. I'm actually actually drinking another thing from uh, Peabody Heights. I am drinking uh. Cream is forever. There it is. Yeah. Strawberry banana Ooh. milkshake IPA. Ooh, um, Ooh IPA. Wow, is. that's really interesting yeah. for an IPA. Wow. Yeah, why, did they, uh, why did they have to put IPA at the end of it? Oh, why? Oh. That's what it is. Yeah, we, we can be false. I'm not an IPA fan. Okay. I'm not an IPA fan, and every single time they try to make a good flavor, it got IPA behind it. It's never just like a regular <laughs> there are, beer. There are, there are, yeah, I, yeah. The way too many IPA, like, IPAs does have a little bit of a take right. experience. Like, can we get no, an IPA please. version? Can I get an IPA version, a Sasson no. version, and a sour version? I get some no, versions. No, yes, let, yes. Let Rob finish introducing his no. beer first. No, we, we could die. We could die. We could digress about how IPAs is taking over <laughs> unnecessarily. IPAs do have a take <laughs> Go ahead, Rob. Well, they are the most. They are the most popular style in Unfortunately. In Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but this this is uh six point eight percent. It's uh very, very hazy oh. as you can tell. Mm, look at that. Mm -hmm. uh, and my uh premier like, uh, like strawberry milk. Like strawberry, uh, strawberry milk. Mm. Remember yeah, the Nestle yeah. Quick with the with the rabbit, the strawberry milk. Back in the day? It looked like cereal, cereal milk. Yeah. Oh, cereal. Yeah, you got, yeah. Also, you got all the flavors and everything, look just like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it don't taste like that. Maybe it look like that. Like, yeah, it, was, it was really good. good. I had it. Are oh, you tasting it too? Yeah, it, it, I mean, because it, it's like a, it's like it's pretty well balanced. Because not neither fruit really overpowers. I was about to say the, the banana because normally a banana overpowers stuff, but banana is right. not over overpowering the. the no. 
No, because you can taste you can taste banana, but you can also taste the like you can like on the back end there is some uh, there is some strawberry in the back end. So definitely uh well well balanced uh beer from Peabody. Uh once again, shout out to to them. Uh and uh Black Beer Geek for uh, putting on that camera release that Dev talked about yesterday talked yeah. about just a second ago. Uh it was a good time. Uh yeah. and uh like she said, they make good beer and uh, she was glad to partner with them because one one because they were behind the calls and um and as well as um, they make good beer, so that's always a win-win when people are are not just um talking about allyship, but actually are yeah. uh part putting their uh, money where their mouth is, I guess, in terms of mm-hmm. and their beer where their mouth is, and putting it out to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think because you said that mo- all the proceeds from the beer goes to the uh, goes to the actual uh, um, uh, safe it's, it's, the safe haven uh safe for haven. transgender yeah. um, transgender. You, transgender youth in uh, Baltimore. So uh, mm-hmm. respect to that as well. Um, yeah. And uh, shout out to all the LGBTQ uh, plus people. Happy Pride Month. A-A-I. Isn't there two new letters on the end we learned yesterday, Rob? Like That's why I said plus. Yeah, they say plus. Plus, okay. Because that was something I learned yesterday. Yeah, because I couldn't, I didn't, I know after Q there's something, but I didn't know, I didn't, I don't know what it is. So I know that you could say plus. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Got it. it gets it gets no it gets longer every um every couple of years, right? Because uh, more I mean, people more... identifying themselves the way that they want to, exactly. which is totally <laughs> the great thing. Can never mind, never mind. And what you gonna say? I, was, I was gonna be uh, you know how how like white people try to get in black conversations, and he's like, no, nah, you're not black. You can't. <laughs> I was going like it's LGBTQ, but. Is the plus? Can we be? Can straight be included in the plus? Because no. like, it should be, no. Okay. I, I, I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Thank you for clarifying. I don't want to step. I don't want to be rude. I, I'm, I'm ignorant about it, but I don't want to be rude about it. Like I don't know, and I, I just wanted to make sure that I know I'm not included, and that's fine. That, that's fine. Okay. Well, there you go. And one one final shout out, which Rob knows what I'm probably about to say. That he he get he uh he pretty much said yesterday he would mute me. Um, as we get to this part, um, <laughs> but that was just all our fun and games yesterday. Shout out to uh, Vaughn and Matt, who uh, of Secret Sauce Company, who had their food truck and had the food on premises yesterday for the event at Peabody Heights Brewery. Uh, they made some amazing um, pulled pork sandwiches, cheese steaks, mm. and a plethora of other things, coleslaw. But I mainly want to shout it out because he gave us a. Uh, uh, he gave me for free um, their own uh, bottled uh, ketchup and mm. hot sauce that they make as, a, as an added to their uh, to their steak. So uh, be sure to follow them. Be sure to uh, you know support these uh, food trucks that um, actually show up at a lot of these different breweries because a lot of hey, them food on site. You always hear about people uh, people's hot sauce. What uh, mm-hmm. what makes the ketchup so special? So speaking of that. Um, and I'll grab the bottle real quick because it's right to my left. Hold on. I was gonna say, I wonder if they make mumbo sauce. <laughs> the, the, the unique thing about the ketchup is the fact that it doesn't facts. <laughs> yes, Brandon. It, it it uh it actually actually tastes like almost like a tomato sauce versus like your true like ketchup. That you would buy, like, um, what's what's a brand that we Heinz. 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 Like Heinz. Heinz tastes more like it's like sugary. It's, but this actually tastes like a true kind of like tomato, like base that you would put uh, on it. So okay. it actually adds more like zest 
or whatever to the meat that you put on, it doesn't taste like your kind of corn syrupy. But you know how we used you know how we used to the corn syrupy ketchup. Could you put mm -hmm. that on the hot dog and just like it's a whole it's a gourmet yeah, dog right there? It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. I, I, I actually liked it on my cheesesteak. I probably mm -hmm. I liked it on my cheesesteak. I don't know if I would like it on my uh on a on a hot dog right, just because right, okay. the yeah. palate and the flavors right. might right. even balance out the same. You so, so used to that hot dog uh, and ketchup uh, combination. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you see, you so easy. You could buy ads on Bruising Better Podcast for mustard and ketchup. Yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter, man. We 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 always available. <laughs> well uh, speaking to speaking to speaking to Brandon's point, this is the kind of stuff that I always tell us uh, about anyway. So, uh, Brandon, you're on the you're barking up the right tree because I'm on the same page as you. Um, and and as he says that, they not paying him for doing none of this. Right, But they gave us, but they did give us free product. So this is their hot. This is their hot sauce. I'm going to support, uh, uh, I'm going to support a small business uh, because we're a small business. Our podcast is a small business. So I'm going to support them like uh, they supported me. And uh, this is their hot sauce, and it was delicious too. All right. Oh, well, okay. Well, that, I'm, I'm going to have to uh, edit all that out. No, sure. <laughs> uh, uh, well, this is episode 123. So we need to get to the business of what we're here for. And we're here to talk about. Uh, Tinu, oh, I'm not even gonna say the last name anymore. I'm gonna mess it up for sure. You got it. Uh, but um, like I said, this is we would like to know what's going on. What's who you are? How you got? How you got started? Uh, all about the pro uh, project that you're currently working on. Uh, so uh, once again, Tinu Diver to the program. Thank you. Floor is yours. Thanks. Um. Yeah. Ooh. Thank you. Extended applause. Um, so I'm Tini Diver. I'm the director of This Belongs to Us, which is a film that explores um, race and beer. And it basically is seeking to understand how a craft that began with women in Africa and the East um, became synonymous with white male blue collar identity in the United States. Um, and so my journey into this film was definitely, <laughs> definitely a journey and kind of following my curiosity. Um, and it's kind of this confluence of a lot of different um, I think aspects of my life. Um, one was, was, as I mentioned earlier, that I'm the um, daughter of Nigerian immigrants. And um, I grew up with a somewhat, um, with an awareness of the history of beer being connected to the African continent. Um, the first brewer, beer brewer I had actually ever met was a Nigerian man, a family friend who worked for Nigerian breweries um, in Nigeria. And um, a lot of folks, so a lot of European beer brands actually will brew um, their beer in uh, African countries that, you know, usually have formal colon colonial relationships. So Guinness, for instance, I was reading once that there's more Guinness brewed, you know, in Nigeria than Ireland or something like that. And wow. so, um, for you know, cost reasons, and so, um, so I knew about that. I knew about the history of beer brewing in with Egyptians. I knew about Ethiopians <clears throat> and brewing, and so that was kind of you know where I started from. Um, as a kid, my earliest memories though of beer were you know my my parents are part of this community. There's a pretty large uh, Nigerian community in 
the DC, Maryland, Virginia area where I grew up. Um, and so growing up, we had this like community of folks and we'd have parties and get together for, you know, cookouts, birthday parties, et cetera. And usually, you know, the men would be like in the living room and like soccer would be on. Women might be in the kitchen or another place, you know, talking or whatever. And there'd be this cooler kind of near where the men were. And there'd usually just be three things in there. There would be Malta, which is a non-alcoholic kind of Malta drink. It's also really popular in the Caribbean. Uh, there'd be Malta, Guinness, and Heineken. And that was mm -hmm. it. Like, I don't Malta. even think I... <laughs> I don't think I even knew there was anything else outside of that until, <laughs> until well into adulthood, um, because that's that's what I kind of grew up seeing. Um, and so fast forward, um, I moved back to North Carolina um, in 2015 and um, was out in Asheville, which is in the western part of the state, um, on a trip and was, uh, you know, with someone doing this beer tour, a brewery tour. Um, and so... North Carolina, I believe, still has the most breweries per capita of any state. And so when you talk about craft beer, particularly in the U.S. South, North Carolina is really the epicenter of, of that. And the, and the craft craft beer industry in North Carolina is, is pretty significant. Um, and Asheville is a big part of that um, because of the number of breweries that are there. And so um, anyway, so on this tour, and I was kind of like, they are almost like, you know, sometimes, you know, some beer... Um, Events will have like a designated driver kind of ticket where, you know, this person going to so I was kind of that because I was like, I don't really like beer, you know, kind of tastings here and there. But I did kind of triangulate on what I liked and I figured out, you know, what I liked. Um, and I was a designated driver. Well, it was, I mean, they had a van driving us around, so not really. But, oh. you know, I was, I was like, I was like, eh, I'm not going to really be drinking at all. You're, like, do I have you're like the chaperone of the group. Yeah, I was like, I was like, can I get a discount? I was just trying to get a discount. I'm like, I'm not really going to drink on the full, full price worth of a right, ticket. Right. I'm going to just sip some of his, you know? So can I just, right. you know, can I? Lord. I was just trying to get a deal. So, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, so when I moved back to North Carolina, I was kind of noticing like how significant breweries were and, you know, bottle shops, et cetera. And um, that fall, there was a release, a beer release for a beer. I actually have a, a bottle here, um, a bottle release for a beer. It's very popular, made by Foothills Brewing, which is a brewery in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, it's called Sexual Chocolate. Oh, so nice. I will show you this. This is the old label. Hey, that's, that's that sounds like Winston-Salem. That sounds like Winston-Salem. So by, you know, as you can see from the art, for those maybe yes. who might be able, who might not, who may be visually impaired, the the, the it has the word sexual chocolate. And it has a kind of foxy brown esque looking uh, black woman yeah. with afro, you know. And so I see this, and I'm thinking, oh, it's sexual chocolate, you know, uh, you know, is an homage to coming to America, part of the great right. canon of black film, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, bet this is going to be like this really interesting, dope, melanated event. So we show up to this the bottle shop, mm -hmm. and I'm like what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Let's just say nobody nobody that looks like that label was really, I mean, I think there maybe me and one other no appearing person, you know? Right. And I was like, what the hell is going on? This is crazy. And I began thinking, like asking questions like, well, does anyone who looks like that even work there? Like, why would they use such a blackity black black, you know, cultural references to, right. you know, push something, you know? So I had all these questions that started. Then um, at the same time, I was uh, at the Center for Documentary Studies at Duke University working on a certificate of documentary arts. They had been working on projects, film and audio projects, um, all based on 
folks in Durham or Eastern and Central North Carolina. Okay. And I did, an, I did an audio project called Masterpiece about a um, Durham DJ artist activist named Gemini. And Jem was moving into some new art space in um, a kind of basically a repurposed kind of tobacco warehouse in downtown Durham. And that space happened to be next to a brewery, actually a Wilmington, not Wilmington, excuse me, an Asheville brewery, Highwire, that had uh, established a location nearby. And um, Jem's art is centered on black femmes, black bodies, black me, black, black, black. So it's this beautiful day and the brewery has like their garage doors up. And of course there's cornhole cause you gotta have cornhole, right? <laughs> and so I'm walking by and you know, I do a kind of quick scan and I'm like, hey, like, and everyone was, appeared to be white. And I go into Jem space and it's again, Uber centered black, the music's black and everything. And you know, across the street from where we are is like one of the largest, most dilapidated public housing complexes in all of Durham. You know, it's proximate to, you know, an area of the city with, you know, high population of low income black and brown folks. So it was just like this moment where I was experiencing all of the different, all the different ways that people inter interact in with the community that both holds, you know, the, you know, this, all of this economic promise, but then also some of the most severe poverty in the state of North mm -hmm. Carolina. Yeah. Um, because one of the things <laughs> about, you know, breweries that I've been thinking about is the space, right, that they occupy in communities. Right. Because yeah. they, they often move into kind of like Under industrial, and yeah, yeah they're, they're looking for like industrial space because yeah. of, you yeah. know, um, experienced it yesterday. The, the brew, you know, because of, you know, what they need for, you know, the equipment and shipping and usually near train tracks, you know, which, mm -hmm. you know, Forts. often, yeah. you know, connote certain things. And so, and then, so what you see sometimes is breweries then bringing in a clientele that looks really different from the historical community, right? That surrounds it. And, and they can often be the canary in the coal mines of gentrification. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Yeah. Hmm. Um, so anyway, so that experience is kind of stuck in my head. And then fast forward a few months, um, this would have been, I guess, 20 spring of 2019. I was at the Haiti Heritage Film Festival, which is a film festival um, at the Haiti Heritage Center, which is um, Haiti is the historic black community um, in Durham. And um, a lot of us are talking about, you know, Tulsa and the history of the decimation of Black Wall Street in Tulsa. And you had a similar dynamic that happened in the Haiti community. Uh, particularly around um, urban renewal and the construction of the Durham Freeway 147, and how that literally decimated um, this um, this the self-sustaining you know uh, black community. And mm -hmm. so, um, so the Haiti uh, at the Haiti um, Film Festival, and um, during one of the intermissions, was getting a drink, and they were serving beer uh, from Harlem Brewing, and they were mentioning how oh this is brewed by a black woman. We're like oh cool, bet that's what's up. And then the person's like, oh, and she's apprenticing a young woman in Eastern North Carolina. And I was like, what? You know, because that's just not what you hear people talk about. <laughs> and I was, I'm like, I mean, I was cool. I was like, really? And so I was kind of, oh, okay. And I just kind of filed it. Um, and so at that point, I had kind of this idea of a project, and but didn't really know if there was a there there. And so I decided I was going to do a research trip to Fresh Fest, the 2019 Fresh Fest in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And which happens to be where my sister and her family live. And so, you know, did some auntie duty, but then got over to the, um, the, the festival because again, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be what I call like a native, you know, beer enthusiast. I'm not, you know, so I'm, mm -hmm. but no. And so then I get to Fresh Fest and mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this Dude. is a, this is a thing. Like <laughs> there's, 
there's a bear here. Like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I felt like this was an anthropologist that like had found this new civilization. Like the beards, the beards were- that's a great uh, <laughs> analogy for what it is. Yes. That's exactly like, how. Yes, it was like the beers were glistening, and I was just like, "Hey, this is like coconut oil." Like yeah, yes. They melted shea butter. What you put in your beard, bro? All right. Like, dang, I ain't never seen beards glisten like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> New beard product glisten. Um, yes. So anyway, that was great. Um, so yes, I was there. I was, um, you know, sat in on the panel that um, uh, Garrett uh, Oliver did, and met mm -hmm. folks like Afro Beer Chick, and so just learning about, you know, this kind, of, this this world of, you know, black beer folks. And mm -hmm. so um, then I was, you know, going around getting beer, and I stop at one one uh, spot, look down, pick up the the business card, and I see, you know, the person's breweries in Rocky Mount, and I look up, and I'm like, you're not. And it was Brianna. It was Brianna Break. It was Bree who was the person that when I was at the Hey Tech Film Festival that they were talking about her um, right. as being the person being apprenticed by Celeste. And so I looked and I was like, you're a Rocky Mountain. She's like, yup, and I'm from Durham. And I'm like, what? You know, and so she was obviously busy serving beer, but I was like, um, you know, let's get, get you know, let's talk, we get back. Yeah, we get back to North Carolina. And so we did and just got to, got to know Brie as a person and her journey and her story, which is amazing. Um, and, you know, but this idea kind of pitched her like, hey, this is what I'm thinking about working on. This is my idea. And so she has been really generous with allowing me to document with her since, I guess that was, yeah, that would have been like the fall of 2019. Um, mm -hmm. And so since then have just been, you know, learning and got, have also had the chance to meet Celeste and um, you know, Dr. J. Nicole Beckham and just a lot of folks who um, mm -hmm. have been having some of these conversations and thinking about some of these things. And just even seeing how the conversation has, has shifted and even accelerated and amplified since I first started researching the project back in back in 2018, thinking about you know things like you know the beer summit that happened in the White House right under President Obama and like yeah. what is that how does that still speak to this moment when yeah. that came about as a res in the reaction to um, you know um, a white police officer in Cambridge Massachusetts arresting um, you know Professor Henry Louis Gates outside of his home you know and some of the same conversations that we're having about this inter you know about race in, in policing mm -hmm. so. Um, we are, I would say, in terms of the project, I would say we were, we're in early production. We just finished um, our first crowdfunding um, campaign uh, about a month or so ago. Um, I had the chance to screen just a, a, a rough works in progress cut at uh, this year's Sundance um, Film Festival as part of the Carolina Great. Works in Progress um, screening, which I'm really grateful for. Um, and so it's just been, um, you know, COVID and the pandemic has completely shifted the way that, I mean, it shifted a lot, but it also shifted the way that, you know, documentarians think about, you know, making films and planning films. And I think one of the great things is being able to develop your audience really early on in the project and, and for people to feel like they're on the journey of the project with you. And so it's been great to connect with so many people who are invested in the project and who are like, this is an important story, this needs to be made. Oh, the most important thing I forgot to mention. So while I'm, you know, working on this, researching, et cetera, at some point I was, you know, tell my, I told my mom what I was up to and you know she just and i just you know mentioned i was like yeah i'm working this project blah, blah, blah. she's like oh she's like you know your mother your grandmother was a brewer i was like excuse, excuse me what wow. <laughs> excuse me i was like no <laughs> like wait what and she's like oh you know your grandmother i was like what and she's like yeah your grandmother you know she brewed a fermented drink in her village uh it's called burukutu which is the kind of traditional fermented drink that they make out of what they call red guinea corn what we call sorghum mm. um oh, yeah. and um yeah. 
yeah, sorghum, it's naturally gluten-free. So you have mm -hmm. a lot of brewers trying to use it for gluten-free beers. And, you know, think about where sorghum grows in the U.S., um, in the really the South. We know how it got here. Um, so, um, and, um, so that has been this whole other like opening in wow. terms of connecting with my, the spirit of my grandmother mm -hmm. and, you know, cause she not only brewed it, she brewed it, she bottled it. She had people that worked for her yeah. sell right. it and to distribute yes. it. Um, and so to have that connection to that traditional, you know, pathway mm -hmm. is like pretty crazy. Um, and so I'm actually hoping to, to do some shooting over in Nigeria um, at some point, oh, um, so if we Amazing. can make it happen. So, um, so yeah, there's lots of themes that I'm hoping to explore. We could talk about some of those too, but I'll can, can take Before a Before we get into that, do you need like yeah. a best boy or a grip or something? Oh, <laughs> yes. Anytime. I don't. Come? I work for free. I just Aww. work for a free ticket to Nigeria. Okay. <laughs> I can pay with beer. That, <laughs> beer, beer, beer and a ticket to Nigeria. I'll figure out my food and my housing. I just need the the plane ticket. You know, well, you know that, that was a, that was a great quick summary of like how you started this journey from a 20, 2019 uh, Fresh Fest visit. Uh, so you talked something specifically about like the panel discussion you were on with with Garrett and we were there obviously in 2019 as well. Oh yeah um, we were there. Oh awesome. we were there. We were there. Every every um, every black person in craft beer in 2019 <laughs> was either there or trying to make it there. Yes. I'm trying to make yeah. it there. If you if you've been in craft beer for two years and you're a yes. black person in America. Yeah. So my, my question was day. being a part of that panel um obviously amongst uh, greats or, or people with obviously with wealth of knowledge um, in the brewer community, like what was maybe something profound or something that stuck with you that maybe even Garrett said or mm -hmm. as a part of that panel, what would you say was like kind of one of those takeaways or just kind of like a something, a gem that was dropped maybe just being in that room. I like being in those kind of like I was there moments. Yeah. So, so there's a few things that I remember about that moment. One was actually like before the panel started and it was mm -hmm. like, and it was one of the things that I think is kind of distinct about black beer culture because mm -hmm. that I didn't know about was like the whole bottle sharing aspect. And it wasn't mm -hmm. like it was like, we are doing a bottle share here, but I think um, I think Mr. Oliver had brought a bunch of his, um, oh, I can't remember what beer it was, but it was like a larger format, Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. It was really good, whatever it was. Okay. I can't remember what mm -hmm. else. But I just remember everyone was like, like the sh everybody was just sharing, that, um, you know, like the beers. And it was like, right. this, it just felt like this very like communal, like, mm -hmm. yes. you know, thing. Because I do think that that is a part of kind of the, the actual origins and traditions in terms of the ways in which beer was produced and consumed. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing that had stuck out in my mind, that, that happening. And then the other thing was, um, you know, Mr. Oliver is this like, you know, encyclopedia of like kind of history yes. and culture and geography mm -hmm. and things. And so I really appreciated him naming, because I asked a question during the panel, mm -hmm. um, a, a, you know, kind of mentioning kind of the, the themes of this film. And mm -hmm. I appreciated him naming the ways in which essentially the role that, you know, like marketing and advertising has mm -hmm. in terms of essentially kind of social engineering people to believe what they like or what's good or, you know, what's, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so particularly when you when it comes to black folks, in terms of you know a lot of the, these narratives, because a lot of times I will hear, actually I've been in breweries, I've heard people say like, we just need to teach black people about craft beer. I'm like, no, you don't, because it started with us. So we good, you know, like, you know, yeah. but it's yeah. like, but it's, um, <laughs> but it's, um, I just appreciated him 
talking about the forces um, mm -hmm. outside of just, you know, kind of, you know, free will and like, you know, what's available that actually crafted, you know, and directed, you know, for instance, I mean, the production and the proliferation of malt liquor. I mean, you have a product that was made with inferior ingredients that was heavily marketed to black mm -hmm. and Latino folks, you know? Right. Um, and so, and, you know, I was talking about this in a, another interview, like the serving size for that is two and a half of these. Like that's what mm. serving size. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and that bottle, that, that bottle is huge. That's you just so yeah, two and a, two and a half tiny. more. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, so I just appreciated. So those are the two things that I remember mm -hmm. saying. And I appreciated Mr. Oliver's presence because it almost also felt out. I, I love like intergenerational space. Yeah. Um, and so I also appreciated that as well. Cause I had actually never mm -hmm. heard of Mr. Oliver and I'm like, why have you mm -hmm. never heard of this man? Like I had no idea right. that, that he right. had been in beer for so long, you know? Right. Um, and just to so. tag along, just to tag along to that, it wasn't until after going to Fresh Fest, seeing him in that space that I then stumbled upon on a reference of his beer, Brooklyn Brewery in the movie, Do the Right Thing. <gasps> it's oh, in the my it's in the cooler, in the movie, in the pizza shop. And it wasn't yeah. until after Fresh Fest that I watched the movie again. It was like, yeah. oh my god, you That's know. The, I didn't know that. Was, I didn't know that either. I didn't know until just now. Lee, he was on it. Yes, I didn't know until just now. All those years later, I'm yeah. like, I had no clue. Oh, oh, so, Brooklyn makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Brooklyn. Right? So great. That's pretty great. cool. Now I got to go back and watch. Okay. Right. Yes, please do. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You uh, when you're when you're um. When you're going through and you're developing this documentary, you said you mentioned back when you were a kid that your family barbecues and cookouts uh, only had the three different types of beer. But when we when we we talked to uh, Af African people from that own breweries in Montclair Brewery, and he said that they made all different types of beer. You mentioned your grandmom did too. What was the what what was it that made it that you didn't have those different types of beers at your cookouts when you were younger? Do you do you know? I don't know because you know ain't nobody asking me for my opinion. Hey, That's geez. true. You're like hey, six or ten years old, right? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Get your hand out that cooler, girl. Don't close yeah. that cooler. Right. Those are the yeah. dark coolers. You better get over there. Those juice. Yeah. Go get you a go get a get you a Capri Sun or a huggy. Get you a huggy. Right. But like here, but here, you know how it is. Talking to your mother and find out your grandmother brewed beer. What do you think? There. What was lost in translation? Do you do you think? In your opinion. So, so my maternal, my grandmother, uh, Alice Adegbile Jai, um, she died when my my mother was fourteen. So I actually never mm. got to meet her, but she did stop brewing, and and this is actually one of the several themes I'm exploring, kind of this intersection. So the reason why she stopped brewing was because she started go attending as a, a church that told her that mm. her making and selling alcohol was, was essentially was not just yeah. like she they couldn't so, even go. To Wow. I have all kinds mm -hmm. of epigenetic anger about that yeah. that I'm still working through. But, um, mm -hmm. and that's one of the things I'm exploring because that's actually, that's come up in, in some conversations that I've had even, you know, with Bree about, you know, particularly being in the South, um, Eastern United States and kind of, and it depends obviously on like your religious um, tradition and even where it falls in terms of, you know, you know, around alcohol, but you know, there's still for a lot of people, a lot of some of our elders, it's taboo. Alcohol is taboo, mm -hmm. and you stay away from it. You stay as far mm -hmm. away as you can. And right. you know, I mean, part. Of, I mean, so one of the other threads I've been following is like in terms of hit the history of you know race and alcohol and beer is like 
there was this kind of um, really close proximity between the abolitionist movement and the temperance movement, right? Mm, right. And I think a lot of that was in this era of, (laughs) you know, black respectability, right? Like it was like, all right, we free, you know, reconstruction, et cetera. And it was like this, maybe this idea that, you know, well, black folks, we have so much to deal with and all these stereotypes and things that we're fighting against, let's not complicate matters and like get close to something that could, you know, make us, you know, could feed into that, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, I wonder how much of that it, you know, feeds into some of the decisions that people make in terms of thinking that even going into brewing is something that's accessible to them or that's something that they could do um, because of maybe kind of the reaction from certain people that you know are close to them or in their community. But um, but yeah, so specifically with my grandmother, that's how that that happened. That that influence of um, specifically of, of religious tradition. Um, and I don't know, I have to ask my dad. I don't know if it was like a carryover from, because when, you know, in Nigeria, when I go, um, you know, my cousins drink like Star and they drink like kind of, you know, other stuff, mm-hmm. um, but, or Gulder, I think that's the other one, Star and Gulder. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, so I don't know, if, again, my, my parents came to Nigeria, I mean, came from Nigeria to the US in April of 1975, when, you know, Nigeria was still, you know, not that far out of, you know, kind of post-colonial, you know, life in terms of mm-hmm. Britain's Britain's influence on Nigeria. And so mm-hmm. I think as a result, there's just a lot of things about Nigerian culture that were really heavily influenced by European, you know, mm-hmm. British, British culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, probably be, you know, the beer brands that they consumed are as part of that. Now, now you said you say now you say you can. You're, there's a lot of themes or a lot of uh, uh, I guess angles you're, you're you're thinking about taking this taking the documentary. Uh, uh, and I'm I'm curious if if I don't know if you have seen the uh, the documentary High on the Hog on Netflix. <gasps> I'm so it's on my it's on my queue. I haven't had time to watch uh, yet, but I'm okay. I'm really excited because there's some local folks from North Carolina who are in there, and so I'm I'm really excited to yeah because I see I, as you've been talking, I've I've hear a lot of those same themes. That are run through in terms of how you could trace all the things back to the, to Africa, and 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 like a, he he went over there to Africa and just to see how uh, those foods. So the same thing with foods can probably be said the same thing about beer. Uh, so I, so I was curious is that exactly yeah. some of the yeah. things that you're talking about as well. So yeah, so much of the South, so much of the Southern culture that people love is really African. Right. <laughs> you know, like whether it's the banjo or black eyed peas or, mm-hmm. you know, green, like whatever, like there's so much about what we call Southern culture that's really African. Um, mm-hmm. And so absolutely. I know that's, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated to learn about even as kind of the growth of like, you know, again, like these sorghum based beers and different things, like using these grains that were used, you know, traditionally um, back in different, you know, African countries for brewing as that kind of continues to proliferate and grow. And I'm really excited to see too, like even just to dovetail off of that, like I know one of the things um, that has been really interesting that I've been watching Celeste do is how she's working with farmers, mm, right? In North yes. Carolina and Virginia, like they're trying to figure out how can, how can we grow how hops? How can we, how can we design, yeah. work with, you know, NC State or A&T or, you know, our strong agricultural schools down here mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. figure out how to grow hops down here, you know, working with farmer, you know, black farmers in Virginia and North Carolina for grains and malts and barley mm-hmm. and sorghum and you know mm-hmm. the ingredients for their beer, um, and so and I love that. I think that's that's incredible. 
agree. Mm. That's awesome. I, I'm, I'm starting to feel. I'm starting to feel more series than just one documentary. <laughs> yeah, this, right. this isn't two hours. This don't feel like two hours. This feel like more of an eight to ten hour, yes, an hour set. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, because I mean, because it is a, it's a lot. Like there's a whole yeah. type of a movement and stories that need to be told. Like I mean, just what Celeste is doing and, and Bree and, mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. and Montclair because I think I've had the sorghum beer that they brewed at Montclair yeah. Brewery. Yes, uh, and even so, Sankofa bringing mm-hmm. some of the more traditional yeah. uh, um, uh, brewing styles because uh, I believe both of them are, are, are um, from Africa as well. Uh, from I can't they're, remember I exactly where. I think their parents. I think are. One, one, maybe one Ghanaian, one Nigerian. I think. Right, I right, right, right. Um, so I think bringing those type, bringing those styles here. Well, not even here, but they've already been here. But taking it back to where where it's kind of started from, I think that's pretty dope. And I and I like so. Yeah, I need Netflix to to come through. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix. Yeah, Google me. We'll add them. We'll add them. Put that into the universe, right? The, P- the people of that. There you go. The people. <laughs> right. Because then, then you won't have to think about going to Nigeria. It's right there. Like, ah, I'm here. <laughs> as many tickets, as many trips as you want. Huh? <laughs> right. Not right. <laughs> so, just one. Yes. Yes. Teach me, yes. teach me how to hold a camera, please. Yeah, but no, I mean, it, there are some, you know, there's some really amazing things going on, you know, there. I mean, South Africa, I believe, is also a, a women-owned brewery in Rwanda. Like, there's just some mm. really interesting, um, yeah, there's just a lot of really interesting stuff going on across the diaspora. So that's yeah, really mm. cool. Right, because we saw that Black Brew Culture is actually doing uh, one of their uh, uh, beer fest in yeah. Soweto. Mm-hmm. this year yes. so, that, so and yeah. there's a lot of craft breweries in in uh south america uh in uh south africa i, I saw i didn't know at first until i looked it up i was like wow there's a lot of and yeah it would make sense to be there since it originated there but right you know, yeah. because well, because of the way it's been marketed it's a great, yeah, well, do you, a great concept do you yes. remember i don't know if you don't i don't know if you remember this from the panel um from fresh Rose, but like garrett mr oliver talked about I'm so Southern. I'm like, Mr. Oliver, I can't call this person. (laughs) Good Southern girl. Um, But he talked about how he had been, you know, um, a judge for the Africa Cup, which is this big um, beer competition across the continent where different countries submit and how he like demanded that they ensure, because he said they had no entries from any like black brewers Mm. or breweries. And he's like, wait a minute, I know the history. I know these folks like have recipes, have traditions. And he pushed to make sure that they made sure that in future years that they had representation and inclusion yeah. of entries from from black folks. It's like, how you gonna have a, thing, a competition? You gonna have Africa? a Africa Cup and not one black right. entrant? Man, Come on, I mean, at least have a black I mean, contestant. You know, colonialism was bad, mm. but dang, right. like, yeah, that's geez. that's racism at its <laughs> finest, right there. Right. Like, African Cup and all white entrance. Good well, lord. Well, it's like that beer she showed earlier, uh, the sexual chocolate, where yeah. you are. They, can, I, they I, didn't even hire people to work there. Right. <laughs> like, and, going, like, and going back and going back to, I bet you, if you do that research for that brewery, that's their highest selling black oh, beer. Like they only sell that beer to black folks. Like white people ain't no. even drinking that beer. White people put the bottle. <laughs> white people put the bottle on their mantle. Like, oh, look at my. You know how in college you had look at my, look at my trophy. Right, just like a trophy for them. They didn't even drink the beer. Well, you know that they changed the label. People, mm, they, they got they got called out. I want to say this was. I bet they know, did. Around 2019, I think it was kind yeah, of that lady too sexy on the bottle to not have a black person in the <laughs> brewery. The, when the wave, yeah, when this wave, you know, I think that was kind of you know mm-hmm. this crescendoing of you know kind of these questions about cultural misappropriation. 
um, yeah. with, you know, beer marketing and, and, and stuff started coming up. Um, yeah, they changed it. They changed the label. So this is actually, I mean, this is from, a, I think this is a 2018 or 2019. You can't, you can't get it with this label wow. unless you have one of those or limited older vintages. Edition. You got a limited so, edition. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so um, they, they definitely listen. And I think they have some art. If you Google, I think they have some articles about it and that decision mm -hmm. for them to, to change the label um, for that reason. So, so in, in your opinion, what do you think is the reason why craft beer in America has been so white? male whitewash mm, good question God. check it out in the documentary <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a it's i mean it's it's a lot of different things i do mm. i do wonder about the um because i think in my mind i think about like the production of beer kind of um in terms of traditions and the commercialization, like the big scale kind of, you know, multinational, you know. So, I mean, I think that that is that distinction in that, like a lot of our food ways and a lot of our food traditions, I think that that is a part of it. Um, I think, I do think that the history in the, I think there was definitely like a gradual erasure um, of, you know, black, brown, indigenous people from just, I think one, it was like disconnecting us from, right? right. Like these traditions yeah. that were part of who we are um, mm -hmm. at, you know, because we felt like we needed to, or had, or people were told we had to, to kind of integrate or be accepted yeah. kind of in the yeah. in, in mainstream society. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think that there is some aspect of like um, kind of uh, religiosity just in kind of America writ large that mm -hmm. also um, mm -hmm. is part of that. Um, um, and so, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not totally sure, but I do think it's it's this intersection of that. It's the, it's the whole thing about marketing. Um, you know, it's it's it's. I don't know how if you don't grow up in this industry, I don't even know how or see someone that looks like you who's doing it. I don't know how you get a vision for it because your guidance counselor ain't in high school. Right, <laughs> you know, right, right, like right. all right, <laughs> you know, exactly. And all the marketing is telling me to drink 40s and malt liquor. And, so. and, right, and I yeah, and I get it because in our in our country you can't legally drink until you're 21, right? So in terms of actually talking to you know pe young people about going into this as a job in an industry, you know, I, I get mm -hmm. those those boundaries, those lines. But yeah, you're right. If what you're, I mean, many of us. I'm a child of the '80s, you know, millennial grandma, and so my earliest images were like Billy D. Williams in Cold Forty Five. Right, right. Works every time. It works every time. Which, which is which is which is why they call that like you know our our beer. You know why they look at that as like our, yeah. our beer. I think I I think just to piggyback off of all the things that you said, just from the marketing things, I think that just from a marketing perspective to appeal to masses, um, there are people less re receptive to things that they know originated kind of, mm. not kind of, but from the black community versus, hey, if we feel like that, you know, we started this or we are the originators of it, it, it can appeal to the more, I guess you would say, accepted class. Except, to where except hip hop. Right. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. They, it, you kind of right with that, Dev. But at the same time, like they just they want to take everything and just whitewash it. Like even right. even with the hip hop, like everything that they take when you do the research back to it, 
you realize like it's brown or black that that originated it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But when you right. when you uh when you look at it at the surface of the white person they, presented right. it, you don't they, see they, any you know, black. You know, why they, you know what I know why they can't claim hip hop because they still have not found their rhythm. <laughs> Man, well, well, they, they claim ja- they claim jazz and rock and roll. So like they well, still you know trying I mean? they still trying to get over the damn yeah, that, that, that too. You know they you can't get, they can't quite catch the beat. They can't quite catch the beat and it's like. As soon as they, as soon as they claim, as soon as they watch this though, as soon as hip hop gets claimed by white people and black people let them have it, it's a new genre of music that gets started. Every single time it's jazz. Then they took that. Then it was rock and roll. They took that. We did that too. And then they came and now it's rapping hip hop. And they, we just said, fuck it. We're going to make hip hop a whole culture. And that's what Mm -hmm. fucked them up. They couldn't just take the hip hop. Eminem wasn't enough. Eminem and Vanilla you got to come harder than that. Right. Vanilla Ice. Got to bring more so, people. Right, about to say, ask, ask Lil B bought an Eminem album. It's like, no, we already know the answer to that. In Vanilla Ice. In Vanilla Ice. <laughs> I appropriated the whole culture. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think a lot of it has to do with, 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 with especially with hip-hop, is because it being still a kind of in terms of mu- other musical styles is still in its kind of not infancy but it's still pretty it was brought on the stage so when technology was catching up where it didn't allow so many things to to bog it down or like where you or you have people recording uh like um rock music and then changing the people's voices on there to, to white to whitewash it down so you can't you couldn't do that you couldn't do that in hip-hop because they yeah. were talking about especially in in, in the earlier days they were talking about things <laughs> right. specifically in the community in that the was community. happening so you couldn't be like you can be <laughs> so if you cry all right bob <laughs> right. Which, which, in turn, which in turn, which in turn, Rob is why I say hip hop rap became a rap and hip hop became a culture, and it's harder for them to steal it. Like jazz didn't become a culture; it was just a genre of music. Uh, rock and roll was just a genre of music, and country just a genre of music. But hip hop, like we rap, is within well, hip hop. J- those are all culture. Really. It's all culture. I don't know. You think back to the days know. of like of 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 New York and jazz with links. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. So if 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 change, like if that. if time if time repeats itself, are is it going to be? Is it in fifty years? Are we going to be thinking about hip hop the way we think about jazz now? Because I don't look at jazz as it was a culture of blackness. I look well, at jazz. It, at, I don't. I don't. I, I do. don't. You're done with Dizzy, Dizzy and, and, and Louie. I, I, I agree. Miles Davis. I agree. I agree. And white people and, stole it. And by the time I was born, I, I know he canceled, but Bill Cosby, he did all oh. these things on the Cosby yeah, show. You, say what you want. All jazz. Yeah. You, yeah. No, first and, of all, Bill Cosby, let's sidebar. Bill Cosby <laughs> can be canceled. The Cosby show cannot. The Cosby right, show right. is greatness. Bill Cosby, you can cancel Bill Cosby all day. We are not right. canceling the Cosby show. Not on this show. His character on that. Or is more different world. world. Right. Yes. Right, right, yes. Right. He knew. He knew. <laughs> yes. And like, like for example, the the. But thank um, you for educating me, guys, because the jazz I, I didn't see that. But you're the, right. You're absolutely winner, right. The the winner of this year's um uh what's the uh is it is it the voice I forget Cam Anthony from Philadelphia oh, who yeah. won he. Okay. he he scat the he scat throughout the whole beginning of his audition. I like so a good scat. Up, I like a good scat. A, you know, in and up he's a he's like 20, 19 years old. Okay. And just okay. to know that that is already still kind of happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. and Robert and Robert Glasper, you know, yeah. right. Oh, right. Great. You know. Oh, love him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Teach me. Teach me. Well, see, yeah. I think a lot of the yeah. things. Yeah. I think a lot of things. 
a lot right. of yeah. Right. I think a lot of it is education and or the miseducation of yes. black folks. And that's how yes. and that's how you're easily to say, well, this is you don't like this kind of beer. You like this more liquor. This is what you are because you don't right. know. You didn't. You didn't know because I mean, a lot of the hist- a lot of the culture that you t- uh, you talk about, we kind of had to build from the ground up because it was all scattered and fragmented. So it was kind of like yeah. built. So you got to scattered, scat, and even <laughs> and even even a lot yeah. of brewers don't. I mean, you'll go on you know brewery websites, and you know if you were to listen to kind of just the what the the drumbeat of a, a lot of folks put out, it's like oh. There was some monk, you know, in Belgium, you know, mm-hmm. or some, you know, the, you know, person in some abbey somewhere in Germany. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a very Eurocentric. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like everything begins with Europe. And it's like we forget, mm-hmm. no, there were kingdoms mm-hmm. and civilization. Yeah. And you notice how and- you notice how it's always like an isolated monk that started it. They ne- It's never like in London. <laughs> it was never in like the tenement in London. It was like some some ancient monk on a cliff by itself. That discover beer like bullshit, <laughs> bullshit, dude. Like don't white up, don't don't white it up that much. Come on, that's right. too white. <laughs> isolated nomad hermit monk made beer for the first time, and now we all drink beer. Shut up. <laughs> that don't even make no sense. Not at all. It seemed like it do. If, if you heard it, you'd be like, oh, you know, white people made that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and we and, and so and I have been surprised at how much of the project hasn't really, really educational, you know, yeah. for, for everyone, you know, even Absolutely. me, like I'm learning about, you know, how this, you know, spans, like I mentioned bow and arrow, like, you know, indigenous cultures who also had these practices, you know, down in, I think in Kimmer, which South American country, but a similar drink called chicha made out of my, you know, maize made corn, you know, similarly, like you have these cultures who are doing, using these practices and brewing, using the grains that were, you know, in their geographic, you know, vicinity. And, this idea of, you know, even the word spirits, right? Like this craft wasn't just about, it was, you know, it was about connecting to the world that we can't see, right? It was a, a lot of these drinks were used, right? In religious ceremonies, you know, we talk about, you know, pouring out liquor for the homie that ain't here, but that's like a true libation, like those, the libation, yeah. that's a, that comes from, you know, our culture where we, yeah pour out alcohol for, you know, they to thank the ancestors or mm-hmm. to sell it. Like I had a cousin when I was in Nigeria one time who got a new car and he brought it over to my uncle's house and they poured out some alcohol, you know, in reverence to the ancestors, you know, for that. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, thinking about how, you know, we, we consume and produce alcohol a certain way in modern times, but really thinking about the context and the ways and the purposes for which it was originally, you know, created. Um, Where do you think that got lost at? Well, I mean, I think once people realize you can make money, <laughs> you right. know, like, com- I mean, stop being, think, it stopped being a ritual. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, the commercialization um, and yeah, the ways in which, you know, men figured out you can make money. And I was like, all right, you know, we got, you know, we'll take it, you know, from here. Um, but, um, you know, because one of the other themes I'm exploring is actually the, there's the similarities I've been finding. So, one of the things I'm exploring is kind of the, also the rise of sobriety culture. Um, mm-hmm. with younger generations. And it's interesting because I've been learning about the challenges, again, particularly around Black women who are in recovery. And it's crazy how some of the same experiences I hear them talking about as Black women in recovery are, the, I hear the exact same phrases from Black women brewers in terms of these challenges around you know, lack of representation, 
not feeling included, not feeling welcome. And it's crazy because in one way you would think they're like on these opposite sides of the spectrum. But I think the reality is, is that for most people, we have relationships with people in our lives, some who consume, some who don't, you know, either by choice or because it's just not, you know, it's not productive, it's not helpful, it's not healthy, um, or they're in recovery. And, you know, I think that I'd like for us to figure out how to become, be a better village to each other um, and understanding that there are challenges that, you know, black folk, black women have when they walk into, let's say, you know, some type of meeting and no one looks like them or they feel like they can't talk about, you know, certain things that are also affecting, you know, their, their sobriety journey, et cetera. Um, and, um, and just similar, similar to black women brewers who also feel a sense of exclusion um, and, um, and, 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 you know, and, and kind of questioning those, you know, those questions about belonging. Um, and so that has been interesting. That has been, that's been an interesting um, um, journey as well, just trying to, to figure out how we can not view those, those, not view that spectrum as like threatening, but how we can become a better village to each other. Um, and even just the ways in which, um, this is probably, you know, that I've seen and been thinking about the ways in which kind of alcohol and consumption is tied to ideas of masculinity and femininity and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so. So, uh, so some of the questions, I don't know if you touch on this, uh, uh, but do you talk about some of the like the financial roadblocks in terms of cause when you see um, there's so many uh, black brewers out here making good beer, but it's always seemed to be funding no, issue to really get that, get that, uh, that, um, brick and mortar up and so they have to either do campaigns or, or like but then you see something like ah, I want to start a brewery and it's, it's there tomorrow <laughs> yeah I've, got, I've, I've heard I've heard I've gotten yeah I've heard some I'm sure I'll hear more I've started I've heard some stories in terms of just some of the experiences black brewers have had you know going to investors you know and getting you know certain and a lot of times sometimes these are investors that don't know beer right they don't know the industry they just have capital invest and so often they will they'll just say stuff that is blatantly racist and mm -hmm. um ignorant you know in terms of but yeah like everything you make should be in a 40 ounce format or what you know where have you gone and had a you know 14 percent belgian triple <laughs> that's in a 40 ounce like what the hell that doesn't make no sense like like <laughs> So yeah, so that's that's very real. And even again, like I was talking about before, like if you don't um, kind of come into this, you know, with having someone, you know, in your family or someone that you know that's kind of paved that way, then mm -hmm. that makes it hard. And I think for for Brie, like Celeste was that for her, right? Celeste was this trailblazer that you know Brie saw, you know, because Brie had this idea. But you know, am I crazy? I don't see nobody like me. And then and the Celeste shows on the stage, she's like okay, yes, I'm not crazy. Like I can do this, this can happen. And then, and there are ways and people who actually want to help. So I think there's been yeah. both, right? There's been the, the horror stories about, you know, the pitch, the pitch meetings and stuff gone wrong. But then there are also the stories about, you know, um, you know, finding those finding your people, finding your tribe, finding those folks who, who support you. Um, and it's been actually amazing to see the breweries that have opened and flourished even throughout like this pandemic. Um, and the other thing I also want to celebrate is the relevance and the importance of our HBCUs in this industry, mm -hmm. because, you know, Celeste is a graduate of Shaw University in Raleigh. And that's actually where her and um, uh, Breeding go there, but that's where they met. They met at a, an event there. 
Mm -hmm. um, I believe some of the folks um, with Crown and Hops um, are from Howard or what's a Howard? Howard and um, I mean Howard and Spellman. Think yep. And then um, in some of my research, um, the first actually the first woman, first black person and first woman who was the she, who was the first brewmaster for major a major American brewery, which was Miller. Um, they they used to have a plant in Eden, North Carolina, which mm -hmm. is kind of right, um, not that far from the Virginia border, kind of north of Greensboro, Winston Salem. Um, but Miss Patricia Henry, she's from Reedsville, North Carolina, and she went to she's what we call a Bennett Bell. She went to Bennett College, um, oh, and I'm so and so you know um, that has just been something I've also been noticing, like how um, how the importance and the centrality of HBCUs in producing uh, folks who see this as you know a path or being a space where those folks can connect and make those relationships mm. um, for you know generations coming behind them. How, how do how do you how will you try to compact or put all this information? Netflix in, cut the check <laughs> because there I, I, I'm sure you find yourself time after time of saying like the more I you know like what whatever connection you find from maybe one story or talking to this person that then, you know, I, I, as you're telling the story, I, I hear just in you talking about it, how, boom, oh, and this is connected to this, and this is connected to this. It's almost like this endless family tree. Welcome to the inside of my brain. But, but, but no, I, I like that. And I think that that's dope about it. So again, to Rob's point, like, but how, when do you say, uh, or when will you say like, I've, I've yeah. got all I can put into this and cut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Right, like, right, it's, right. It's, it's hilarious because you know when you're working, at least for me, when I'm so this is this is my first feature length. I've done two shorts and I've done yeah. audio projects. This is my first feature. So when I was starting off, you know, the fear is like, am I going to have enough to fill ninety minutes? You know, most mm. features are like ninety minutes. Mm. I'm have enough. Yeah. And so now I'm in the, the other stream where I'm like, oh my god, is this what? like that, three different movies? It's is ten. It's ten episodes. That's one you know, ten episodes. And we have this. We have this saying in, in documentary when it comes to editing. Mm -hmm. You know, kill your darlings. Mm -hmm. Where it comes a point to the in the editing process where these scenes and these things where you have to make these really hard decisions. Mm. So, but the oh. other thing that happens in documentary. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that happens in documentary. I don't. I don't, don't want to be you. <laughs> but I do. That, I kind of want to be you. I want to be that fly in the wall. I do want to be you. But I don't want to be you in that. In that. Devin, state. Devin, you want to be the best boy. You want to be the grip, the boom mic. You, you don't want to make the hard decisions. Just be in there filming. Oh, but, there's, but also part of what the journey of filming and what I love about documentary, particularly independent documentary filmmaking, is like every you know every filmmaker has a story about how they launch into the project, and you have this really strong. I feeling that film is going to be one thing or about one thing. And invariably there's this, something happens during the production and it's like, er, and then the film takes this turn and it becomes mm -hmm. something else. So it's part of having a plan, you know, going in with a plan, but still staying mm -hmm. open and being adaptable. Because right. even like when I started shooting back in 2019, you know, I had no idea what was going to happen in terms of, you know, the conversations within you know, craft brew, you know, craft uh, beer about race, had no idea about, you know, the impact of George Floyd's murder, just mm -hmm. kind of on the world, obviously about, you know, COVID, right. um, you know, where people, you know, brewers were trying to figure out, am I still going to be in business, right. you know, a year from now? You, you had to um, leave all this kind of in. Yeah. So you're, yeah, yeah. And so you're, you're, and then even now, like there's been developments with certain things, certain kind of plot lines, you know, that, you know, will, <laughs> you know, some will unfold, you right, know, right. in different ways. Um, 
And so, and I have, yeah, and I still, and so I, and between now and we'll still be shooting into early 2022, um, mm-hmm. you know, not, you know, just wanting to be there and show up, but kind of be open to kind of what unfolds. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's, it's going to be, it'll be, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what, <laughs> what the end result, you know, um, looks like. So, That's interesting yeah. that you kind of sort of don't even know. Right. <laughs> well, so, yeah, that's it's so hard because people, yeah, people are always exactly. like, so when's the film going to be done? And when can we expect right, right. to see it for the release? And, you know, I'll give people dates in the back of my mind. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> it's done when it's done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like 2022, we'll still be filming. I know that. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, that's, that's just give time for yeah. travel and stuff. So. True, true. So from a creator to a creator, this is just a question of like, do you, what's your notepad besides your bed look like, or is it your phone? Like, oh, those thoughts I don't know if I can, so, I have like a wall, like, no, I'm a post-it note girl. You're a post-it note girl, okay. So I've got different, I've got the post-it notes. Okay. Well, like, like, are they all the same color, or are they different colors? No, different colors, different colors, and I'm okay. very, like, I like, like, flow charts and visuals, okay. so I don't, so sometimes I'll, so my notes are like, you know, pictures or diagrams or, you know, things like that. Um, so I do both. I have like the phone for like usually things like I want to research or ideas, you know, yep. in real time. And then I'll have um, like I have a few kind of like production journals in terms yep. of um, usually because they come out of like notes from like interviews that I do or things I want to follow mm-hmm. up on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got stuff on the computer from research from like if mm-hmm. I find something in an archive that I want to use mm-hmm. or, um, you know, dig into <clears throat> You know something, so it's all over. The, yeah, it's uh, yeah. It's, all over the place. it's great. That's great. What's just, the uh, what's what's the actual uh, actual process? Like you're doing uh, a beer a beer documentary right now, but before you decided, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Like mm-hmm. it's 20, 2018 right now. What you have? I'm sure you have some ideas in your head about what my next documentary. I'm trying to do a full length, like you said. What makes it? What makes it say, hey, I'm going full bore? Or what? I'm mm-hmm. not going to do this documentary. I'm going to go forward with this one because yeah. it's going to be four to five years of, of your life yeah. and creativity that you're putting on the line. Um, you know, mo- I would say most, not most, but I would say a lot of um, documentarians often have different projects going on at the same time, but in different stages, right? So okay. like for instance, okay. this project I was called, you know, early production, um, but I have other projects that I would say are more in like research and development, right? So I kind of have like a a passion project that I know is like going to be like a decades long, like epic kind of thing that is like super early, you know, research and development that I'm just, that's just kind of back, you know, kind of percolating, you know, like in the background. Um, But then I might have, you know, another project that develops that maybe is like shorter term, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that people keep talking about, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about, more putting it, you know, there being more, you know, audio and podcasts in the world, but you know, mm-hmm. th- you know, because I do both audio and video, um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I and also and I also write. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's figuring out well, what's the right medium, right. you know, the right Absolutely. topic, the timing, um, and you know, in place, you know, kind of to put it out. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but trying, but just trying to be to be open, and then also like the other thing I want people to know is like I want to work on other people's projects. Like mm-hmm. I learn so much from mm-hmm. other artists and other art mediums, right? So one of the mm-hmm. things I missed the most during the pandemic was not being able to go to like art galleries, you know, and like, you know, just you know, look at art or, you know, textile art, you know, visual art, like whatever, like even if it's not a medium, an art medium that I work in, culinary arts, whatever, like 
I just love learning from other disciplines. And so, and I get, and I get lots of inspiration. And so I also want to have space in terms of my bandwidth to not only like work on my projects and the things that are important to me, but also like, I want to, you know, <laughs> be the person who shows up, you know, to be the, you know, hold a mic, you know, whatever, you know, crew yes. for somebody. Right, um, right. I just want to be in the room. I just want to be in the room. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that, room it's that feeling of like to say, I was there, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. so, 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 yeah, find that balance. Yeah, that's the, that's the rub. Cool. cool. <clears throat> Rob, did you have a question? Well, it was, well, I guess, yeah, it was, I guess it was, a, yeah, it was a question. In terms of, um, cause you said you were in early production for the, for the film and, uh, you just had closed a round of, of funding and now the world is opening back up. So, so while we wait for uh, mm. Netflix, so while we wait for Netflix <laughs> to cut the check, um, uh, what, what, what are you doing now as things start to ramp back up? Like, yes. like, so what is, what's going on now? So now I'm crewing up. So it's really important for me because of the themes of this film. <laughs> this, might, this might hurt some feelings. So the kind of things, it is important for me to have black women on both sides of the camera. So I'm really, I am really committed to having, to hiring a local, local crew of, you know, mm-hmm. also black awesome. women black behind women. the, behind the camera as Before well. Our black um, women. I agree. And, sure. um, That's sisters. <laughs> and, support uh, me, support black women. <laughs> so, so I'm crewing, <laughs> so, so I'm crewing up, um, to do shooting and I'm trying to figure out production schedule because to your point, like, I feel like everyone decided to open up all at the same, like, even like this yeah. weekend, there was like the North Carolina Hops Festival. Right. I think Brie was, there was some other like food trucks, something, something going on in Durham. Like there was like so much going on this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, and so, yeah, the, all, the, all the beer festival, everything's, you know, opening, mm-hmm. everyone's scheduling stuff on top of each other. And mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out, okay, like where, you know, where do I need to be, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, kind of shooting. And then there's stuff going on here locally, you know, North Carolina that mm-hmm. I need to shoot for. Um, so I'm figuring out that production schedule for the rest of the year. Um, so those are, those are the two main things. And I'm still raising money. Like I feel like right. summertime seems to be a big grant writing season. Right. So I feel like I've right. written 50, 11 grants, you know, in the last month and um, right. I'm still raising. They're, 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 they're brutal. They're brutal, like <laughs> brutally long, not yeah. brutal. This is just yeah. brutally long. Yeah, that goes into them. Yeah. Um, so that, that's yeah. that's what I was actually going to kind of segue into next after Rob asked this question about the you know the the the, the donations. Um, I is it important to you that the uh, some of the funding from for this uh, documentary comes specifically from the brewery community, meaning from breweries, right? Yeah. Um, and are you taking or trying to schedule meetings with these breweries to say donations, please, and giving them pretty much a quick 15 minute, you know, slide deck of why it's important, why, you know, why this matters and why they should, um, you know, support the fund from a funding perspective. Yeah. Yes. Yes. To all the things. Um, awesome. I haven't probably done it as in such a, as well of a succinct and organized way as you, you've articulated. So I was like, Oh, he got me all the way. He got me all the way together. Let me take a look at it. That's what we're working on. You no, know, I love it. no, but I love it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah. but yeah, but even with the, with the crowdfunding campaign that we just did on seed and spark, mm-hmm. um, which is a platform that's created specifically for film for independent filmmakers, yeah, I, um, you know, was hitting up directly, particularly the breweries like in the uh, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill kind of area 
mm-hmm. um, about this, and and I'm really um, and and I'm and I'm really encouraged by mm-hmm. the response by you know folks like Full Steam and Durham Ponysaurus, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, you know Ponysaurus. Oh, you don't know about Ponysaurus? That name is just amazing. <laughs> 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 genuine starts playing in your head. Yeah, <laughs> riding a dinosaur. I feel like <laughs> I, didn't think, I didn't think nothing about genuine when you just said yeah, Ponysaurus. Yeah, I, I, I thought about My Little Pony and dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, so Ponysaurus is um, yeah, it's great, great, That's awesome. That's great, a great brewery, name. great folks. Shout out to Nick and, and the team there in Durham um, who've mm-hmm. been super, super supportive. Um, and um, but yeah, so um, and continuing to have those those conversations with breweries, um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I'll say you know all the brewers that I've met and talked with, like I'm thinking about Mahalia, who's um she's a female um, Latina brewer in Wilson, North Carolina, which is just about 20, 30 minutes south of Rocky Mountain, Eastern North Carolina, um, mm-hmm. has a beautiful brewery. Um, oh my God, what's the name of Mahalia's brewery? I cannot think of the name off the top of my head. Um, oh, Casitas, Casitas Brewing. Okay. Okay. Um, and so, you know, she, that's, you know, her, her hometown, she moved back, opened this, her, I mean, they opened their brewery in a pandemic, beautiful space. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just been a lot of, um, I would say just, yeah, generally a lot of support, but still, I think a lot of opportunity to have those really, uh, direct conversations with, uh, yes. with our brewery community, particularly in North Carolina, because it is so large. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of folks are having these conversations about race. Now, this is actually going to kind of throw off the whole conversation because it's, it. it's, it's going to go left. But I think I read in the bio that, that you were a lawyer or, or a law. So how did, am, you, yeah. how did you say, hmm, I hold, want to on, do hold on, hold on, hold <laughs> on. We can do, know why? Because we can do anything. She can do anything. Just like, like Jordan said, I'm going to play basketball. I'm going to play baseball. I can do it all. That's why. Go ahead. Go ahead. But go documentaries, ahead. documentaries were tough. Right. Esquire. <laughs> documentaries ahead, are hard. Esquire. Boss. <laughs> so, you know, one of my, so when I was applying, it's interesting, when I was applying to law school, you know, you have to write an essay. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, I did not I, know. I did not know. <laughs> so I never yeah. applied to law school. If, and if that's, you know, if that's in your future, you just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can say, you told me. So you, yeah. she, she gave me a heads up. I started working yeah. on it. <laughs> I got it ready. I got it right. ready. Um, so my um, my essay was focused on a quotation from a gentleman by the name of Charles Hamilton Houston, mm-hmm. um, who, among many things, was um, dean of Howard Law School. Mm-hmm. And in the 1950s, it was, I believe, the NAACP sent him to South Carolina um, mm-hmm. with a camera to document video camera, whatever the video camera uh, footage um, format was, it was either five millimeter or 15 millimeter, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But he took this camera to South Carolina to shoot, record footage of the disparities between white schools and black schools in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And this footage, he took this footage and brought it back to Howard where he was teaching people like Thurgood Marshall. Um, he was probably teaching people like Polly Murray. Um, people, a generation of black uh, lawyers, who would, some of them whom would become judges in the case of yeah. Thurgood Marshall, Supreme Court justice, but use it to teach them um, about the system of segregation that they would then go on to dismantle you know, mm. in, in the courts. And so he has this quotation that a lawyer is either a social architect or a social parasite. Mm. And so it's this idea in my, the way I think of it for myself is this idea that, you know, with whatever, and you can put in whatever profession you want, you know, it's not right, lawyer, right. but like this idea of like, you, you know, the privilege that you have, mm-hmm. of whatever it is that you've been given in this life 
you know, how are you using it to build and to architect and to create and to regenerate versus, versus just simply to extract and to exploit, right? Reach. And so one of the things that I love about Charles Samuel Houston is that for me, he embodies like this intersection, right, of, um, for me, like being a documentarian, being you know a lawyer, and I work in, in Durham as a community organizer. But he he embodies like these, you know, having these different facets of who you are. And I think we do a really bad job, particularly in the U.S., about having this false idea of people having to choose or to be this one thing. Um, it's almost like unless you're like super famous or super rich, then you can multi-hyphenate. You know, like Jay Z and Oprah, they can be whatever they want. You know, whatever or Obama. Right. You know, whatever. But you know. Um, and so, but and so, I think that that's actually more common. I think that there are people who even come, you know, come to law school with, you know, really strong creative, you know, bent, or you know, people who go into, you know, engineering that also, I don't know, are like talented actors. You know, I think that we all hold multitudes, right? And I think we're. I know I can speak specifically for lawyers because that's the profession I know best. But I think lawyers are really good at just kind of putting people in boxes. Like we're not really good at like getting, you know. And I yeah. think. That is, and I think that's um, a tragedy because, you know, I think I think people are more complex and nuanced and textured, you know, mm -hmm. than we allow them to be, and mm -hmm. so um, yeah, so so you know, so I actually get that a lot. Is like if you if people you know view it as like this hard left, um, but I you know I love being a lawyer. I'm not someone who's like oh I'm a recovering lawyer and I hate it. Ugh, you know, and they beat me up. Right. Whatever. It's like no, I love, like, yeah. like my yeah. license. My licenses are current. If, right. I get that, if I get that call at 3 a.m., you know what I'm saying? That, you know, right. um, oh, is, that, is, but, lawyer, is lawyering your day job? Um, it, no, not my day job. My Docu day is documentarying job, your day job? Some days it is. Depends what day you ask me. Okay. But um, okay. I work as a, I'm the executive director of a community, uh, community-based organization in okay. Durham. And so I'm the executive director of a, non of a nonprofit. What's um, your law degree in? Um, so kind of law the, do you oh, the law, so, um, most of my time as a lawyer, I spent working for uh, the U.S. Department of Transportation. Okay. Um, they I worked at a federal research lab in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and um, so did a lot of work there. And then after that, spent some time working in higher education. So it's been pretty much federal government, higher ed, and then nonprofit. I would say. Mm -hmm. Do you feel the need to keep your licenses up for that, even though you're seem like you're more into the documentary side of it now of your career? Yeah, I mean, I still, I still embrace, I still embrace that fully as, mm -hmm. you know, as, as, as who I am. Um, and, um, and it's interesting because Brie, who, you know, um, is founder of Spaces, she actually went to law school as well. So she has a whole interesting story about her path yeah. and journey. And that's something that we connected to really mm -hmm. early on. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think I keep, it's, it's for me. It's really for me. Yeah. You know? If you, if, if, I like that. Yeah, like you, say, my daughter's a lawyer. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> yeah, your parents that love that. Your parents, that your parents do not like saying. Oh, I know. They don't like I'm saying you're say. a documentarian. They like saying you're a lawyer. <laughs> they like to say you're a lawyer. I was about to say that. That too is cultural. It is. That too is cultural it is. because yeah, it is. there's absolutely. the pressures. Of, it is. No, you're absolutely like, right. We made it, but we made it through the vessel so, too of like our children. So you became like, a lawyer. You became a lawyer just to become a documentarian to your parents. <laughs> I know. It took me a while for them to know what exactly I was doing. They're you were like, like you, you, you were a little nervous to tell them you were working on this more than doing it. Well, it's about beer, so they're just like, right, do, you, right. do, you have, do you have a problem? Like, right, right, right. right. You know, so it's like, yeah. Um, yeah, you know it's like, yeah. Yeah, certain you know elders are like, huh? 
it's so funny to know is my wife watches this uh, show, The Housewives of Potomac. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there's a woman on there who she's a, you know, she's a um, like a, a news anchor, but she's, you know, very, very uh, prominent. But she wants to quit. Oh, uh, Wendy, Wendy, working yes. John, yeah, working Wendy. at John Hopkins University as as a in the doc in the doctrine as a teacher. Yes. But she's so afraid yeah. of what her parents and this woman is grown, living on, she, millionaire, living her a, life to the want, fullest. She's a doctor already and just want to be an anger woman. Like that's two good jobs. Right, right. But it ain't the, it ain't the right her, job for Nigerian her husband's, parents. Her husband's an attorney too. She just wants to switch, and the person that she's most afraid to tell is her mother. <laughs> well, I mean, her husband fine with it. Her husband do with it. Her husband do with it. Like afraid. Have <laughs> you ever seen any uh, that Yvonne OG uh, comedy show? She tell you all about it. <laughs> she was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I couldn't tell my mom was a comedian until I bought her house or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's, 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 that's accurate. Yeah, it's the same. Like I was dead serious about that. That that I became yeah. a lawyer just so I could do documentaries. <laughs> like, I think my parents really wouldn't bother that. me about it. Like here, have my, here, take my law degree. Go put it on your wall. Go put it in my living room. Leave it alone. Go tell all your family and friends. Your daughter's my daughter's a lawyer. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that's fascinating yes. to me about that. Right? Mm -hmm. Is and I do think it is generational in that. You know, so again, I'm the child of parents that came in the wave of Nigerian immigration, like in the 70s. And, you know, a lot of, you know, my parents' generation, a lot of them are in like the sciences and medicine, engineering. And sometimes some of that had to do with discrimination because of their accents, right, you know, right. quite frankly. Um, but <laughs> now it's amazing. So one, it's amazing. It is amazing to see the vast range of Nigerian Americans, like in arts, in sports, you know, things that growing up, you could like you were not like I could play football like professionally, you know, like that was even an option. And now it's just like, oh, you can rap, you can you know, whatever. You know. Um and so but here's the crazy thing is that we come from like our our civilization, our kingdom, our kingdoms, our tribes, our cultures mm -hmm. are so steeped in the arts. They're steeped right. in, in sculpture and mm -hmm. art and you know, bronze work and storytelling, mm -hmm. you know, griots. Right. And think about Nollywood. I mean, you have right. this huge film industry in Nigeria, you know, right. that yes. is, you know, yeah. you know, just, you know, mm -hmm. just amazing. And so it is, it is this strange uh, thing, remnant, I think. And again, it goes back to this whole, I think so, so much of what I think about is like how these earlier generations, you know, trying to give them space and understanding in terms of the ways in which they were just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. You know, like, can I ask you a question? This is uh personal to to your family and your parents growing up, and in the way that Nigerian Americans always tell their kids, like, you need to be a doctor, a lawyer, that type of success. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think it's because when they come, oh, like, when a lot of Nigerian or African immigrants come to America, they have to have this engineering degree or doctor degree, like, to to almost fit in, it seems it's real racist, but to almost just fit in, like fit. you can't be a regular African like that just wants to try to make it in America. It's like you have to have a, a pre-degree or be a straight A student to, to even get the licenses or the, the, the passport to come here. So when you get when you do get here, it's the it's quote unquote, I'm not sure I'm asking the question, but it's the best of the best that actually come from Nigeria to America. And once they get here, they want their kids to be just as great and they know how hard it was for them to get from Nigeria to America and they want to Im implement that to their to their kids. Am I right 
and saying saying that a little bit. So or first, not? let me just say we we got knuckleheads too. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But well, you know, like, you know, what I mean, like, in, in, me, just, yeah, like, like in America, in America, for, some fucked up black people. The record, but they don't just, go, they don't go overseas. <laughs> we don't let them go overseas. They're not our representation. They're not. They're not getting. You know what they're they're getting on so the we want to take the best Nigerians yeah, and make them immigrants. I got. We got. You know. We got some Olus and some Ios. You know. Some cousins that you know. They got. Let me just, just like everybody. We, you know. Yeah, go call your cousin. Talk um, to him. Don't get right. Um yeah, I mean, I think again, and I, a lot of this I'd probably have to ask my parents. I do wonder if some of this is like remnant of like the British education system that yeah. that generation grew up under. Cause I think mm-hmm. my understanding, I don't know a lot about it, but my understanding it was like it's very, it was very rigid and it like kind of tracked people into kind of professions like mm. really early, even in your schooling. So mm. there wasn't a lot of like autonomy or flexibility or like, oh, I'm gonna do a gap year. Like, nah, ain't no gap year, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this is the plan. You better go there with a friend. You better, you you better you got a weekend it. off. You yeah, got your weekend off. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. You don't get no yeah. vacation, no. Right, they probably <laughs> felt like if they deviated from it, it would be like almost like <laughs> a deportation or something to go back and they yeah. couldn't go back yeah. on that. Yeah. Right. And I mean, right. a lot okay. of this is, I mean, I, but I want to, and then, but then I also want to talk about context, which is, you know, we are a non-Western tribal like culture. And so even your, um, even your successes, your failures, it's not just about you. It's a reflection on the village, on the yeah. tribe, on yeah. the community. Okay. And so I do think a, a, a aspect of this is like, that aspect of being in, being from a non-Western culture and the fact that even your successes don't belong to you. Like I joked about like sending my degrees home for my parents' from the living room, but that's actually not beyond. Yeah, it's their you know, degree. It's not yours. It's their. It's yeah, it's the whole it's, it's, yep. everybody, it's everybody. You know, everyone yeah. celebrates in your successes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so I that's think cool. that's part. Going back to the whole example that was given about specifically about Wendy from House of Potomac, I think that's part of yes. it. Is like understanding that it, it is both the, the blessing and the challenge of being from a, that type of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think that there is a space for like autonomy and a space for agency and a space for you being able to pursue, you know, that thing that, you know, you were uniquely created for um, mm-hmm. outside of the pressures of what other people want for you. But there's mm-hmm. also, there is also a joy in, you know, again, that you have like, you know, this cloud of witnesses and these people you know, in a village and ancestors, you know, who are, who are rooting for you and supporting you and invested, yeah. you know, in yeah. your flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, um, it's that, it's that tension between the two. Um, um, and I, and I do think some of it is, was again, just going back to like, how are people trying to, you know, think about, you know, how to survive and how to do so in a way that lessened, you know, one, I think just the trauma of immigration. Like, I mm-hmm. think that there's a lot, you know, I think, I don't know if you've, any of y'all have read the book, The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson or familiar with that book, but it mm-hmm. kind of documents the um, the um, the migration of black folks from the South to you know Chicago and you know New England and to the West. But you know, one of the things she talks about is how that generation of black folks, they're just things that they just did not discuss about what happened, you know, right. during those times. And I think that there's a part of immigration, even though the immigrant story is often taught as like, I'm so happy to be here. And, you know, I put myself up on my bootstraps and look at me, look at my kids and blah, 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 whatever. Like, I think there's some trauma that's probably there in terms of like having to leave home Mm -hmm. and having to leave, in some cases, family members and leave what you know and leave like the place from which you came to this new place 
where you may or may not know people. And like, I even think about, you know, now as an adult, like my parents did not know how to raise kids in America. They exactly. literally did not know how to mm. raise. <laughs> Hi, mom, if you're watching. But like, <laughs> 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 it's like my mom's birthday. Happy Love birthday. you, mom. Hey, happy birthday. Mom, you great. Happy birthday. <laughs> but, you know, but but really, like, they had no experience of, like, what it would mean yeah. to raise children from their bodies, that, but that were, you know, in this other culture and different language and, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. So, um, so I think it's, it's yeah, I think it's, a, it's all, it's a, it's a, a whole mix of, um, yeah, of those things. Good. Uh, great answer. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 knew my, I knew my official question would throw it all the way off from the, no, the documentary. But, <laughs> but I thought people should know that, I mean, it's. It's uh, it's it's more than just uh, just doing a yeah. documentary. You have a lot of a lot of hats, a lot of layers, and so so Netflix is definitely there's a lot of ideas in there that she need to put on. <laughs> you should just start DMing them every day. Just DM them <laughs> yeah. every day. Every yep. day. <laughs> I'm just I'm just t- tag them in every post like Netflix. That's what I was Hello. Still here now. Still here, Netflix. It's not two hours now. It's, it's eight I'm eight hours in. <laughs> right, and, and I think, and I'm sure they're listening now because the, the success, the 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 success of High on the Hog and, and other documentaries mm. like that, they really say, well, people are actually watching this and want to yeah. know more about it. Uh, yeah. So I think, I think that is definitely like you yeah. get you get the right person to the story, then they'll. Uh, yeah, and I, and, and I think this, this, now now that I see this, this this documentary can't start without being in Nigeria first, right? Yeah, just right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you gotta be where your grandmother was. Oh. Uh, yeah. You gonna you wanna ask her that or are you just kind of throwing that out there like no, that? No, I was just me. I was just throwing out. Okay. Well, but speaking of that, like so um so something and I'm just gonna relate this to music. So something that we do um as a as a as a musical artist, we do uh, a show that's called 90s kind of love to pay homage to mm. 90s style music and soundtracks, right? So we do that here in Philadelphia. Um, mm. And I was going to ask you for like from a documentary or making films, you know how much, how important music and things mm-hmm. connect mm-hmm. you with it. Mm-hmm. So how are you planning to infuse music mm-hmm. into the documentary? I love that question because music is huge. It's huge. Mm-hmm. It's huge for a few reasons. It's huge because for me, mm-hmm. um, because I'm huge. <laughs> and because music, Music features so prominently. One, it's 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 important to me. Second, because it's really important to Brie. Um, yes. for, so, for instance, this is this is um, this is just a empty like can that Brie signed for me a while ago. Um, it's from one of her other beers called Pirate Jenny. Um, okay. So this is a, that's a Nina Simone song, right? right. Oh yes, um, yeah. She has another beer, Don Dada. Uh, I think it's a, a cardamom stout, okay. and so that's from Supercat. You know, um, she has, oh gosh, I feel like, but music is super like central in Bree's creative process in terms of how she brews. Mm. And music is always on, usually when yes. she's brewing. So we actually right. started like a Spotify list that at some point I'll put up on the in site. The but it's um, all the songs that either are, um, in for, you know, that come out of her beers or that are playing whenever we're shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, like one of them is um, Fela's um, you know, um, you know, Fela's uh, water, no enemy. Um, mm-hmm. So she always plays that because of all the water she has to use whenever she's exactly. making beer. <laughs> right, um, right. So um, uh, you gotta have a soundtrack. And, That's a soundtrack. <laughs> in the, in the and, right um, and so even like for instance, I remember one really really cool moment was when um, the the I guess 2019 was the year that Rhapsody's album Eve came out. So Rhapsody yeah. is a 
rapper from Snow Hill, North Carolina, mm -hmm. um, works um, with uh, part of Jamla Records, Knife mm -hmm. Wonder, who's in Durham, oh, yeah. and um, you know, Cooley High, all that. And so when I started shooting was kind of when Eve came out and Eve is, you know, pretty much an homage to black women. Yeah, and yeah. so that has been kind of like the unofficial, like official soundtrack for me um, during this whole production because I'm always listening to it. I'm playing mm -hmm. it all the time. Like mm -hmm. I literally was like in the car, driving to Rocky Mountain to shoot with Bree. And I walked into the brewery and she had a plan on her, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. on her speaker. Like, Are you going to talk to her? You going to have Rhapsody in the, the production as well? <laughs> Rhapsody. Yeah, if <laughs> you're her, listening. Her, her, her name is Marlena, I believe. Hi, Marlena. <laughs> um, I, I, I can't. I, I don't know. I would, I, I would love to have some of that music um, if we can get, you know, clear, clear, it seems like, it, 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 seems like it, it has to licenses, be now. It's such a big part of you and uh, you and your... Y'all will figure awesome. it out. Like, you, yeah, you, you just you make some requests. Yeah, you got to write some contracts. Look, Rob told me only if you play it for 30 seconds, it's legal. As long as less than 30 seconds. I would need more than 30, but you know. Yeah, I know. I know. 30 seconds at a time. We're going 30 seconds in the beginning, 30 second, 30 second clips. No, 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 Lori, so I did not say that. That is not legal advice for anybody watching. Consult your copyright lawyer. But um, but yeah, but music is gonna be very um significant. And even like um, so the name of Bree's um brewery spaceway is an homage to her, um, to Afrofuturism. And awesome. so she's very much into Sun Ra. Um, I don't know if any of y'all heard of him. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So he's kind of coined and, and credited as being kind of um, one of the kind of patron saints of, of Afrofuturism. Um, okay. And so, um, and he actually has a song mm -hmm. and I think the lyrics are, we travel the spaceway from planet to planet. And okay. so that's how she, that's part of how, um, what, what led to the creation of Spaceway. Oh, yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. the, the short long answer is music is, is very significant. And again, like Rocky Mount home, home, um, home of, uh, Thelonious Monk or when, mm -hmm. where Thelonious Monk was born. Um, and so just a huge, in North Carolina in general, there's just a huge legacy of jazz, of all kinds of, I mean, jazz, bluegrass, J. Cole, uh, <laughs> Petey Pablo. Yeah, Pete Pablo, yeah. Casey and yeah. Jefferson. Pete Pablo. Right. <laughs> Fantasia. Yes. Clay Aiken. Right. Listen, keep on going, girl. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. J. Cole. You know, yep. so, yes. Um, so, yeah. So, lots of, yeah. The really, baby. Really strong. <laughs> deep, yeah, deep musical roots. So I'm, and I'm excited about that, actually. So. That's a, nice. I'm sorry to say this this project come to come together and see the final so hopefully we're at what do you, yeah what do you guys want what do y'all what's interesting i mean as beer enthusiasts and folks who spend time talking and thinking about like these intersections and conversations around really around race and beer like what are some things that you know you want to see or you know i'm, things I'm since we started for me since we started the podcast this has been my whole beer journey so i didn't know mm. i was a Coors Light, nicolo ultra mm -hmm. type of guy before the podcast so um Non craft beer, and then, like I mentioned earlier, we went to Montclair Brewery, and it just was like an explosion of Ooh. black knowledge in beer. So, I'm just interested for your uh documentary to see the intersection of black people, beer, and craft. And, like, I, I love the craft of it all. Mm -hmm. So, and the fact it's that 
Yeah, like deep, like <laughs> like Dev like Dev says, we're all creative people, and yeah. blackness is a is creative. Mm. And to see that we started it, and to know like now that we started out, I, I walk with my head a little bit higher mm. when I'm in white breweries or in white spaces that have beer because you're copying from you're taking from my stuff. Mm. Whereas before I was kind of trepidatious, like oh this is y'all, I'm I'm intruding on your territory, and it's like no, I'm here listen to me like hear see me you know what i mean and i give it to rob like rob never had that issue with beer like i was like i don't the beer is good i don't care how many black people are there that, but but knowing with that with his knowledge of that and then having the knowledge that it is a black experience as well like that gets me uh hyped for all this shit. and then knowing that every single time we have a guest that loves black people in craft beer they bring up a uh, fresh fest shit um and it's it's really like the mecca of black beer is uh day and mike where we're it you know what i mean so i just always want to give people their flowers mm -hmm. and let them know while i'm learning like i appreciate you like and then everybody's so nice like you reach out to Aww. people from nowhere like i don't know you and you just say hey you want to come on the podcast and six weeks later they're on the podcast like people are just so nice and it's their in the community yeah mm -hmm. for sure so y'all yeah. can go ahead but that was my I'm always big, I'm always big on journeys. I love yeah. I love journey stories. Like yeah, even yeah. Uh, like even like in, in any anything I watch, I like to see the the, the growth and the, the, the journey and and yeah. how it all kind of started. So that's yeah. why I said now now I need you to have be have dirt in your hand in Nigeria. Like this is <laughs> just a start. This, yeah, start. start. <laughs> <Right>. this water, <laughs> this sorghum. <laughs> A black woman's hand <laughs> squeezing the There's dirt. dirt falling between you. Yes. Right, That's why she need the grip. She need that best boy in that grip, bro. Like we coming down there. All we want is free tickets. We got passports. Oh man, yeah. free tickets. <laughs> if you want some pre-product, some pre-production in North Carolina. Yes. Just give me a Greyhound bus ticket. I, I'm fine with that. <laughs> That's fine. Whatever. Get, whatever. Put him, on, put him on Mega Bus. There you go. <laughs> it's a dollar with the asterisk. It's a dollar with the asterisk on it. Might take him a day and a half, but he got. He listen, don't care. Listen, you you leave on Wednesday. You get there on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean, it stops the Mega Bus oh, guy between yeah. Philly and right. Philly. <laughs> <laughs> off of twenty, off of twenty nine dollars. Yeah, it's, it look, but they put a dollar. They put a dollar with the little asterisk on the thing. Like it's only a dollar right. asterisk. Right. But it's still like you. The charge is what you said, twenty three. It's like exactly. that's good. That's that's good. Oh, I got eighteen thousand stops in between, but you know I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. Yeah. See you next week. I had to take off for eighteen days to get there. <laughs> for a one day trip. <laughs> a one day trip. Yeah. Oh man, what else? So for, for me, so Lou and Rob uh, gave great summaries and I would just piggyback off of that and say that very similar to me, like I uh, just from starting a brew journey, probably, you know, five years ago, um, um, fused with the mindset of uh, and I have this saying that I share with the guys or the crew all the time that, you know, I do move like I'm privileged um, in, in any space. Devin's uh, a resident white man. <laughs> just because um, I just feel like that, you know, I'm, 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 I, sh I should be accepted wherever I go. It probably would have got me in. It probably would have got me in a lot of trouble 
um, had I come up in the times of, you know, of John Lewis and other other people. So I'm thankful that I was not born in that generation. <laughs> I will be dead now. Well, I'm sure that allowed you to feel that way because I'm sure back then you probably wouldn't even thought about it. No, <laughs> right. Um, so you know that's kind of just my mantra that that you know, and then just from this podcast and meeting so many uh, you know prominent and, and powerful people um, out of the podcast, we've 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 grown um, stronger and more connected. The four of us as crew members, brew crew members. Um, but now we're invited to spaces and to actually take part in more things that are uh, community driven, um, you know, and just to just to spark off of it. We've we are now, you know, on this journey of, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion in the in the beer community just through our own, uh, you know, act, active, you know, Right, you know, like kind of roles and responsibilities that you know we 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 want to take lead or we want to take ownership of. What what part can we do? What what is it that we we can do more of? So, um, we we we're enjoying this journey. I yeah. feel like I feel like that last five ten minutes that we just said should be on the documentary, and we should have credits rolling. Okay, we can raise that. Yeah, definitely. See, hey, hey, you heard it. Yes. That's it. That's it. We definitely right. gonna be in Nigeria, baby. Right. Let me get my, my IMDb updated. Right. right. And as you, as you, as you, took, as you said, as you took notes with how it was articulated, I do would like, I would like to like incorporate what you're doing for your funding in the message that uh, we're presenting to uh, breweries here locally on how and how they should support. Because again, that's the conversations and meetings that we're actually, you know, you know, embarking on right now to say that, you know, this this belongs to us and it needs to, it needs to be heard. And and I think that, you know, just look, people, we we're we're all people, we, we all need to be educated every day. Um, it doesn't just stop from, you know, a, a, in a classroom or in a yeah. the, the school of hard knock life is is the best teacher. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a message spreader. Uh, oh, and I think that's why we, you know, are all this, on this podcast together. No, oh, thank y'all. Thank y'all so much. I appreciate that. And I yeah, really, yeah. Um, yeah, I hope the impact is, I mean, there's a lot of things I want to see in terms of impact, but I, I think the most important thing for me from this project is that it's not the last, you know, documentary yes. that comes out. You know, yeah. I, I am so excited about seeing how blackness is being centered in conversations around food and food ways and, you know, behind the hog, even, um, I don't know if you guys have checked out for the culture. Um, Ms. Harris, she's in um, oh, yeah, she's the Hog. In, yeah, she is. She's in the first um, episode. I was about to say, is, that lady looked familiar. <laughs> 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 this is um, For the Culture. It's a magazine selling, celebrating Black women and femmes and food and wine. Okay. Um, okay. And awesome. it's, just, it's just beautiful and amazing. Um, and, um, you know, even... Is that was, a local magazine? No, it's... Um, they're just... Um, I think I found them on either Twitter or Instagram. I can't remember how I came across okay. it. Okay. Um, but if you just Google For the Culture... You can order it, um, but it's yeah. beautiful and definitely encourage folks to support. And um, so in that, uh, are they like kind of just short summaries um, or uh, our histories? Like what, what if you were to briefly just like 30 seconds, tell us what you what you can tell us about that magazine? Like what mm, is it captured? Beautiful art magazine that has in-depth articles, recipes, okay. um, features, okay. um, uh, you know, Gorgeous photography. Okay. Is um, it a monthly, quarterly? 
Um, this Weekly. is issue. This is issue one, and I'd have right. to ask. I'd have to. And, and it has right. interviews. Too. Here you go with I all these to... collectors' editions. You stay with a collectors' edition. <laughs> but um, she got the yes. black lady bottles. She got the but, uh, <laughs> Jenny yeah. Penny. Okay. Lacey, I can't remember. I think she might be based in Atlanta, but I'm not okay. sure. Either Atlanta okay. or maybe somewhere in Texas. Yeah. Thank um, you. But yeah, but encourage y'all. It's beautiful and it's yeah, yeah it's amazing. Yeah, that, um, but yeah, even like told you that, even that, like this that's the difference between a yam and a, and a sweet potato. She's the one that yes, tells you. Yes, yes. Oh, I, I was like, that's that's where it is, Rob. Thank you, sir. I was like, that lady looks familiar as hell. Wisdom, wisdom. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, I think that has been also kind of the the other big. I mean, I obviously this for me is. My mm-hmm. entree into kind of this world has been specifically through beer and craft beer, and that's what I'm focused on. But it has been really encouraging to learn and educational just to learn about, you know, even like learning about bow and arrow and like yeah. the history of you know indigenous folks, you know, in the, you know who have been in this country for you know time immemorial and yeah. so much that I didn't know. Um, right. And um, so it's been so yeah, so it's just been um, a joy. And yeah, mm-hmm. I hope that you know there are other documentaries and other projects and films that also are are coming out and want to support and want to support y'all as much as I can as well. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What um, um what I got a couple more questions, Rob. I'm sorry. What you said you said you you're on this documentary now, but you got so many in the pipeline. What is your uh what is like your dream documentary? Like do you have that is that already done done no, it's already in my, your mind rather yeah it's in my that's mind. Her yeah, epic. That, that's her epic she told me yeah that's epic. what I'm saying do mm-hmm. you already you have that one is it mm-hmm. You already know. Okay, do you want to yeah. talk about it or you want to keep? I it mean, I guess. Good? I mean, I probably shouldn't, but I'm, I'm don't don't do, it. don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I feel like don't make it. Like, you're supposed to talk about your stuff. Today. Yeah, keep, keep but, that um, to yourself until you're ready. If you don't yeah, want to talk about it, yeah. you're fine. Um, yeah, it's 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 been percolating for a while, and so mm-hmm. it's gonna. It's one of those things where it's just the, you know the time, particularly because yeah. I'm you know this belongs to us. It's kind of on the front burner right now, yes, but absolutely. yeah, it's it's definitely um, it's there in the percolator, and um, yeah, and also just trying to be open. To anything anything related to you know this belongs to us that kind of comes up and develops um yeah. but yeah what's, right. what's your favorite style of beer we didn't ask that well since you brought Uh-oh. it up sir let's <laughs> go back to the beginning ipa, IPA. yes team no, IPA. no. Like, Timu, no. IPA, double i'm like a double triple ipa yes. Yes. Imper- imperial Yes, yes. All yes. the things. So yes. you hand yes. clapping and snapping and everything. You back yes. that whole yes. shit up. Yes. That, yes. No, stop it. I made a package what? for you this morning. That it don't matter what your package that. is, man. But wait, I was I was so tempted to put this IPA in there just to you. <laughs> I would have I sipped it. I definitely what is, sipped what's it. your what's your favorite style? I like fruited sours. I like uh, lagers, yeah. pilsners. I'm, I'm coming around to that. I was. I was don't, hot, don't hot bomb me. Don't was, bomb me. With no, the I, I agree. I think some people would get a little carried you know, away with yeah. some of that, and I'm not into oh, that's the, whole, the seasons on. Whole, and you know what? Whole what hazy, IPAs, the whole hazy thing. I'm not. I'm not understanding the hazy thing either. Well, IPAs. I don't understand how they smell so fucking good. They're the, they're the best smelling beers, and they don't taste like that at all. At no, all. No, like no, that strawberry. Great. That strawberry banana he had smells great. I know it did. It don't <laughs> taste like no goddamn <laughs> strawberries bananas. Yeah, it does. Not. Not. It does. Not. Not. It does. Not. 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 Well, strawberry, like strawberry, strawberry, banana, and hops. 
<laughs> well, that, that's fine, but that's that's all of them. That's uh, no, I said, no, I said no. it was a well balanced beer. Yeah, you, <laughs> did. you did. You got you you to really. I mean, it's like wine. Like like some people said they 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 didn't like wine until they got to uh till they went to a, a wine tour and and yeah. and um and yeah. then they really appreciated the appreciate notes. It. So maybe you just gotta really instead of going in like I don't like IPAs, you just gotta yeah, skip I, it. I, you already know me. Mm -hmm. I'll never say never, but I ain't had an IPA that's on the path that's on the and the top ten. Like ain't no IPAs made my top ten yeah. yet. Maybe what you should. Maybe this is a. Maybe I'll this is a. Small, though. I'm not afraid to taste them. I'm about to say this is maybe this is a tester. You probably should go down a range of different style high IPAs. Like yes. you probably could do a flight, right? You should go with your traditional West Coast. You should do your East Coast. You should do a hazy. You should do a, a, a like a double dry hop. And don't 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 try to mix it with all these other things because you're then your palate is gonna probably lean toward like the sours that you already write. You probably should just go down just a, a good list of just IPAs, different versions yeah. and variations and see yeah. if there's one that you find because I do favor more of the, the double dry hop um, and, mm -hmm. and the hazy mm -hmm. where the, the West Coast, um, it is more piney floral to where like I might just have one of them yeah. in a day. Versus several of the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'll take your I'll take your word for it. I'll try it. But yeah, you know. and sours have grown on me because I was definitely anti sour for a very long time. But yeah. I've had some really, really nice. Um, and you know what? To be honest, the beer taste ain't really my thing. Like sour and sours. Yeah, Kool Aid, sweet Kool Aid, sweet tea. I'm a I'm a Southern man by heart. Kool Aid, Kool Aid, sweet tea. Like put a little bit of sugar. I mean, a, a little bit of water and a whole lot of sugar. Color <laughs> and we got ourselves. Like and you want carbonated? Like the scene out of house party, right? Right. When it was like, he's gonna hurt your teeth. I'm like, what's he doing? He ain't doing nothing wrong. What are you doing? He ain't doing nothing wrong. I knew exactly what was happening when I seen that. That wasn't funny. That wasn't a joke. I made my teeth hurt too. I made my teeth hurt when I seen that scene. No, oh. I made my teeth. Oh. <laughs> That's right. what my teeth did. Yeah. Give, me some more, like bus. Give me some more, like bus. bus right. Bus. right. <laughs> um, all right. Um, I do have one more question. <laughs> Hit him with you it. Did, you being from North Carolina earlier, you mentioned before we got on Tar Heels, whatever. And then you mentioned that you went to uh, Duke for uh, graduate school. Oh. Great. Uh, so what, what do you uh, prefer, Blue Devil or Tar Heel? So Say the right first, answer. It's, it's only one all, right answer. First There's of one all, right answer. Yeah. So first of all, yeah. So so I do live in North Carolina, mm. although I'm from Maryland, but I do live in North Carolina. Mm. I am a double Tar Heel, mm. to be clear, undergrad mm. in law school. Mm. Okay. Okay. Keep going. Keep, keep going. And, uh, keep and going. My, in my certificate in, in documents from Duke. Okay, so we've got the BA and the JD from Carolina, and then we got the certificate. Okay, so okay. my my loyalty should be clear. Right. I don't know. I don't know. It seems like the last thing you got, you you went to Duke. So no, I'm definitely <laughs> I'm I'm definitely double tired. I'm definitely mellowed out. You know, as you get older, you mellow. Yeah, you know, sure, when you're in college, sure. you know, and it's like hardcore. You know, you're like, ah! I hate you now. You know, it's like it's crazy. You know, it's like yeah, it's like so. You know, you get caught so you up definitely wasn't. You definitely were immersed in that whole. Rivalry, yeah, I've never, I've never burned no cars on Franklin Street, none of that. Because I'm like, mm -mm, I, I gotta That's graduate. I gotta graduate. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't. They would definitely, high. they would definitely with, pick with you out. If they, they saw you burning. If they saw you burning, I could guarantee. Ain't that nobody jumping through no fire. Yeah. No, Franklin yeah. Street, no. But definitely I can, I can, like running, like running down a Franklin Street. You know, 
Scream, going, yeah, 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 for sure. No, I was there. Yeah, we had dope. definitely had some some national championships when I was in, I believe yeah, when I was cool. in law school um, cool. there. And so, um, but yeah, definitely, definitely a double tar heel. Even though they'd be messing up. They do. Know. They do. They do. <laughs> the university brackets up, huh? Making the brackets up. But when it comes to which which shade of blue, it's definitely the lighter shade of blue. In this that ain't even a real blue. You know that, right? That's not. Watch it. All right, so it's time. All right, guys. <laughs> I, I got the charcoal. You know, that's why I made it my last questions. And I got the charcoal. Uh, basketball shorts upstairs with the yes. Jordan logo on the thing, baby. Yes. <laughs> I'm about to bring on my Duke hoodie real quick. Oh, oh no. My John, my John Shire jersey. Oh, my John Shire jersey. You really showing out. <laughs> yes. oh, man. Go ahead, Rob. All right. He's going to close the camera. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank again, uh, Tina Diver, for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Uh, before we go, we always like to know how people can find find yes. you on uh, yes. I, IG, social media, uh, how they can support the uh, the project. Uh, shout out to Netflix um, <laughs> and, and all that good stuff. It's about to be a thing. I can't <laughs> wait to see. Amazon. I cannot wait to see what happens. Um, so the <laughs> to follow this belongs to us. We are at this belongs to us. All in word on Instagram, Facebook. Twitter. And then um, you can go to thisbelongstous.com if you want to support the project. Our fiscal sponsor is the Southern Documentary Fund. And mm -hmm. so you can go to southerndocumentaryfund.org slash this hyphen slash belong slash to hyphen or to us. Or you can just go to the southerndocumentary.fund.org and just search for us. Um, and those are, I think, all the ways to, yeah, to support and to follow and to keep in touch with all of the, the developments of the project. Awesome. Yeah, right. and I hope to see. Cool. I mean, as soon as you know, as I we figure out how to emerge, um, mm -hmm. I hope to see. Fo I haven't figured out what my my, my festival plan schedule is going to be for the fall, but hope to see folks mm -hmm. in real life. Yeah, safe to do fest, safe to do so. We'll, so. we'll be at Flow Fest. Cool. Barrels and flow. Yeah, yeah. He called the Flow Fest though. That's what. Yeah, that's what he called it. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right, Lou. Uh, Lou Belgium. I'm on them Instagrams. Dev, you can find Dev on Instagram at Dev Drinks Craft Brew. Look at that door, right there. You go. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> been practicing. That's right. Yeah, just think opposite, opposite direction. Um, yeah, goofy. It's goofy foot. That's, that's goofy foot from the Nintendo days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out to 302 Yoda. He had technical difficulties. He did want to jump on, but he no. did not make it. Um, uh, but if you want to. Oh, just now, now I said technical difficulties. And then Dev had him. Dev said, I'm out. <laughs> oh, my bad. I brought the, I brought the retrograde back up. All right. You sure got the Technologies in retrograde. That was funny. Uh, if you want to follow Bruise and Band podcast, you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can even say, Alexa, play Bruise and Band podcast because it'll be on Amazon Music as well. Definitely. Check us out on YouTube and Facebook. Remember to smash that like button. Smash it. Smash uh, the like button. Or you can just go to www.bruiseandbanter. You can check out all the links to the podcast and the merchandise and the social media pages, all that good stuff. Um, if you want to follow me, Rob G. There it is, Rob. Stay bruising right there. Um, <laughs> That's good. 
And if you are in Delaware, June 19th, we have a, a caravan at Christina Park. Definitely come and check us out. Um, I think that is uh, that's that's it. it. Sorry, guys. That's all right. He's back. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> until next time, this has been episode 123 of Bruising Metal Podcast. Once again, want to thank Tinu Diver for coming on. This belongs to us. Definitely check out the project. Until next time. Have a good week, Peace. everyone. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> I like her energy. Her energy's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome.